Honestly, I don't even know who my online daddy is. People like Nerdwriter. Just people who put a lot of uh, attention to detail in their videos or in the content that they produce. I don't agree at all. Yeah. Uh, I think the rules have never been more ambiguous. They keep repeating the line, you know, YouTube's a private company. They can do whatever they want. They don't have to listen to free speech or this or that. I'm not even saying they, they have to, but the companies are beholden to, to people or they should be, ideally. I went to VidCon thinking like, oh, I'm gonna meet a bunch of cool YouTubers or something. And then I was like, why the fuck did I pay for this event? <laughs> The creative prompt here is you guys need to invent a sponsor for this episode and do a 10-second ad read. Kino Corner is conspiring to make this a seven-hour podcast by asking each of your top five albums. Hey, welcome to the Create Unknown. I am Kevin Lieber. With me, as always, is Matthew Tabor, who is going to spill the beans, the baked beans. They never say what kind of beans get spilled. Some kind of beans will be spilled they have about be our guests. <laughs> They're baked beans. They have a little bit of mustard. They have bacon. Mm. Um, yeah, see, you're going to be I'm upset about these beans. These, these beans having been spilled because they're so tasty. You don't want them to go to waste. <laughs> so, so yeah, today we've got Slush and Glink who each have their own channels on YouTube and they have a podcast together called Gush. Uh, on his channel, Slush specializes in really analytical deep dives, uh, particularly in the gaming community. Uh, he's got exhaustive, well-researched histories like the history of Ninja, history of Dr. Disrespect, uh, history of Shroud. They're the definitive accounts of those people's impacts on their respective platforms. And this year, he released a documentary on World of Warcraft player Wreckful, and that became extremely relevant because uh, just a few months after that, uh, Wreckful very tragically committed suicide, and it was good to take a look at Wreckful's career at that time. Um, Glink's content has run the gamut from offering Smash players very badly needed deodorant at a convention to, uh, <laughs> to, <laughs> That's true. Oh, God. That's oh, good. it's true, but I'm good. still laughing. Um, to taking a look at the lonely fans of only fans. And just the other day, well, yesterday, really, uh, dropped a video about the critical role that online father figures like Jordan Peterson and Joe Rogan play in internet users' lives. So he's part documentarian, part filmmaker, part social scientist, and it's a really ambitiously mature combination, uh, especially in a place like YouTube. Uh, so just a few weeks ago, Slush and Glink combined to form Gush, uh, their podcast that's had Turkey Tom technicals uh, on to discuss controversies like scandals in the Smash community and also YouTube's bizarre, constantly volatile commentary arena. So given that bio... Let's start with an, an existential question for both of you. Right now, who are your online daddies? <laughs> Ooh. Okay, you go uh, first. I got to think about this. <laughs> <laughs> this is hard, isn't it? Yeah. I think, well, actually, I'll say for the purposes of this 
and for the own my own kind of podcast i'm trying to get successful definitely joe rogan just because i see his platform i see how successful he is and how he conducts himself and i'm like you know i would be i would like to not emulate that but i would like to be as authentic for myself in that way with you know a podcast of my own like that'd be so cool so i think right now i'm channeling channeling joe rogan <laughs> Honestly, I don't even know who to say my my online daddy is, but uh, I guess like the people I look up to in terms of content creators are people like Nerdwriter and uh, just people who put a lot of uh, attention to detail in their videos or in the content that they produce. I have a lot of respect for people like that, and I'm, I strive to be similar to them with my own content. What about online mommies? Do you have any of those? <laughs> uh, oh, I feel like... <laughs> I can't awesome. wait, by the way, for, for Ben to pull that little clip of that question and then just, uh, we'll stop it right there and just <laughs> pop that on Twitter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, there are, the thing is though, it's funny because people really do view certain personalities online as something akin to a mother or a father or a brother, not like in a serious way to where it's like, that's my, you know, family relative, but you kind of have that label in your mind, I think, associated with someone, even if you don't, even if you aren't trying to, it just kind of happens naturally sometimes. Definitely. Yeah. It's uh, pretty common, especially I notice on Twitch, you'll always see the viewers referring to streamers as daddy or dad. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I even have friends who say it to me sometimes. And I know like they're just friends who are so ingrained in that culture. Yeah. Like I have a friend who's so like he spends all his time on Twitch and, and he will call me dad in like DMs. They're like, dad, what are you doing? I'll be like, oh, uh, weird. oh it's very weird. Yeah, that is not good. <laughs> do you know what so, do you okay, my, my online mom figure is uh, Sarah from Cara Cara Bonito. Yes, same. <laughs> same. Your friend who calls you dad, do you know what his relationship with his actual father is like? Like, does he need yeah, a dad? I do. He has, so he, in his family, uh, he respects his dad way more than his mom. I know that. Like, he, he always uh. complains about his mom and always talks about how his dad is super cool and gets him. So he's Maybe got a good relationship joke with for him. It's just a Maybe. joke to call, call you that, I think. It's also possible, so he's gay and it's possible that it's just like a, a spillover of like daddy. Yes. Yeah, like it, it's a typical common slang in the gay community for people to call each other daddy or someone they think is attractive or something. I don't know. So maybe he's just like ironically calling me daddy or something. We need to have him on next week so he can leak <laughs> all the DMs yeah. and we can analyze these line by line. I I'll ask him. He just actually escaped Hong Kong to come to Toronto. So, oh, nice. So he's available. Oh, he's moving. He moved. Yeah. He his family just moved because of all the because of China, essentially. Luckily, they have dual citizenship. Don't talk too badly about China within the first five minutes, by the way. We're going to get demonetized. <laughs> <laughs> That's the so, golden rule on our podcast. <laughs> you, I, I'm curious. I'm curious. I know this is uh, breaking the form a little bit, but I'm curious. You guys had iDubs on, right? Yeah. yeah. So that was last week. Um, by the time the normies hear this, uh, that that'll be on YouTube right now. The patrons can access it and everybody else will get it tomorrow. But yeah, we, we had him on Wednesday. Oh, perfect. So this episode will come out after, right after iDubs. Yes. That's this right. is the next one after iDubs. You're going to make okay. us follow a nobody act like that. That's unbelievable. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> this I'm is gush you got on here. This is glink and slush. 
like, you really set the viewers' expectations low before us. Like, oh man. Yeah, we'll we'll just knock him out of the water. It's fine. Yeah. It's whatever. It was good uh, talking about obviously the the leafy band because that coincided with the time of of you know us recording with him. But he's he's changed so much with with uh, you know content going from what it used to be with really short stuff, the the crazy stuff with Filthy Frank and uh, and and all that into longer form things like Content Cop and now now the the full length yeah. hour long documentaries uh, it's, it's kind of cool to see his perspective on that um but he would seem to be of the mind that that we all know the rules at this point about what's allowed on the platform what isn't uh and if you don't play by those rules what can you expect do you do you think that's do you think that's agree. valid i don't agree at all yeah, uh, I, I think the rules have never been more ambiguous and i think leafy's ban kind of highlights that i mean you know like where is the line exactly? I mean, this really comes to a head for me because, well, <laughs> me, me and Slush, one of our like good friends is technicals. Uh, he's this commentary kind of channel. He's kind of like he's he's definitely going to blow up uh, yeah. and he, he he's already getting pretty popular. Anyways, he kind of does a little bit like edgy style commentary videos, but he's not really doesn't really make fun of people's appearance. He's not like, you know, hateful, I wouldn't say. But even he is like, okay, now that Leafy's banned for the kind of content he made, it is a little bit like, okay, well, where is the exact line? Is this, is technicals going to get banned? Is, yeah, exactly. um, it's just a lot of uncertainty in regards to that. And especially because he didn't get warnings, uh, or at, at least that's what I've heard that Leafy didn't get a warning. He just kind of got struck down overnight. Well, apparently he, he actually did get a warning, oh, uh, he? but he just didn't get strikes. He got all the strikes at once, which I don't think is right. I don't think YouTube no. sh should be allowed to apply three strikes and terminate a channel all at the same time. They should they should be forced to do it one at a time. Especially if it's I've the seen baseball, baseball analogy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, baseball yeah. <laughs> of just one pitch equals three strikes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah. yeah, good point. But has all of this stuff changed the way either of you have, have approached your content? Because if you're doing, Slush, if you're doing the history of somebody and it's got uh, it's got a portion where you really can get critical. Like let's, let's say it's the history of iDubs and right. you need to address, uh, the portion about, um, him, uh, commenting publicly about, uh, Anissa's only fans. Right. Uh, you, you can do that in a lot of different ways. You know, that's the kind of situation that could come up for you. Um, has, has this stuff, the murkiness and the overall climate of it, approach or change the approach that you'll take on some of the more controversial videos uh i don't think so i typically hand like when i um deal with drama related stuff in the history of video i'll usually try and be as objective as possible uh i i don't think that i've ever really done it in a way that i've worried that youtube was going to strike me down because i i don't think i'm I, I try and be very fit. My videos in general are more positive than they are negative so even when i am yeah. talking about the negatives i'll try and counterbalance that with the opposite side as well i want to i want both sides to be playing at the same time but i also i have been feeling more apprehensive about doing history of videos in general but not because of youtube more because of wreckful passing like wreckful taking his own life i don't know it just kind of made me feel weird about the fact that i made a documentary about him just a few months earlier and it's made me sort of reevaluate how much influence making a video about someone could have on their life and not that i think that my video is the reason he did anything he did but 
it's kind of made me want to talk more about ideas and and save talking about people for special occasions or maybe just do it sparingly, I guess. Yeah. And Glink, you uh, you're starting to hit on some topics that they aren't they, they don't fall outside any community guidelines. I mean, it's legitimate to look at something like OnlyFans. It's legitimate to talk about the ideas that a Joe Rogan or a Jordan Peterson have, but We've also seen people over the last few years be suppressed uh, on the platform by talking about those things, getting things like age restrictions. Uh, a friend of ours, Sean Malone, who we had on, oh, I don't know how many episodes ago, um, he had two videos age restricted where on, on his channel, he works for the Foundation for Economic Education. One was looking at Carnival Row on Amazon Prime and some of the political and immigration uh, diversity issues in that show. That was age restricted. Another was about television's portrayal of police on shows like Law and Order. That yeah. was age restricted. So Law and Order plays like. 27 hours a day on TNT <laughs> yeah. or whatever it is. On like nine channels. Yeah, yeah. it's all over and the my place. mom watches it uh, all. Yeah, I do too. I do too. I, I like it a lot. But any any toddler can pop that on any hour of the day and that's okay. But I guess if you make a YouTube about it or a YouTube video about it, it's 18 plus. So even though you don't really run the risk of of breaking any taboos, if you talk about some some tough subjects, then what? Yeah, censorship. Yeah, I mean, for for me, I think for both of us, it's not so much that we're war like I don't. To be honest with you, I think the type of content Leafy and, and a lot like a lot of these people that got struck down or are at risk of that. Generally speaking, I I like I think it's bottom tier content. I don't care to watch it. I don't care about YouTube drama. It's just not interesting to me at all. And so that's not really a problem for me in terms of like, oh, I'm worried that because I make fun of people. I don't do any of those things. But it is a problem of of like, well, like you're saying, I mean, where exactly uh, the, the problem with the approach that it's their site, they can do what they want, follow the rules or get out is that, OK, well, with that mentality, the rules are going to constantly be uh, changing to be more and more uh, sterile, to make the site more and more sterile, to be more censored if you have that mentality whereas if you're like okay fine like you, you know working with youtube maybe is worth it in this case to be like okay this is not okay this is bad leave this off the platform but we need like a um a sort of of a uh, a safe space maybe of like okay the, <laughs> we can talk about these things in this way these types of channels these types of videos you know what i mean um but every, I the way I feel is that nothing is off the table when it comes to what YouTube might want to remove in the future. Um, so that is the concern. Yeah, you're right. It's like, uh, and even if they don't outright remove it, there's age restrictions, there's demonetization, uh, all these things, suppressed search results. That's just, but I, I don't know. I, other, other than talking about it and, and taking a stance, I think that's important. Because if you're just saying it doesn't matter, you let YouTube do what they want, especially as a big influential voice, I think you're missing an opportunity to sway the conversation a little bit. Also, your OnlyFans video is like fully monetized. They approved it. That's true. Yeah. But it's completely blurred. There's no nudity or like yeah. any suggestiveness to it. But it shows that with it was a manual review. So it shows that with the subject matter, whatever they got going on there with their manual review team, I have no idea. What, like we clearly just saw 
over the last day or two with uh, Charlie, Moist Critical, the third yeah. review team is, is incredibly incompetent. What is, but what is the story with that, by the way? Do you guys know? I don't fully know. I think that uh, he covered a f- what was it like a fake road rage in- road rage incident where it was it wasn't real violence and he didn't even show any of the non real violence in his video for the most part. But he got demonetized for for having violence. And then oh. Markiplier had also covered the same thing and said, how come I didn't get a strike? And then they struck him too. Oh my God. <laughs> and then YouTube just like a few hours ago was like, actually, we were wrong. And both of you are now to have no strikes on your channel. Okay. So they did revert it in the end. They've done that a few times, right? Where they've put out these sort of preemptive bans or strikes or whatever, and then enough public outcry. And then they're like, okay, never mind, We messed up. Mm-hmm. Kevin, yeah. can that you just remember anything? Show. Like, do you, do you remember any backpedals? like that from back in the day because like you I, I think you were in the room when youtube was first coded so like you've kind of seen it all um but c- can you remember a reversal like that ever happening with something um not to that de- degree that that was a really interesting one just because they even said that they had reviewed it and they didn't they still didn't like it and then they like escalated it and reviewed it again and then we're like Okay, I think that a couple of the biggest problems that YouTube has are, you know, obviously a a billion hours a minute of video are uploaded onto YouTube. So they have to create these extensive, like insane algorithms to sift through all of that and determine, you know, what they can run a Starbucks ad against and what they can't. Um, But to me, the, the problem where they fail tremendously is that I know for a fact no one works at YouTube that uses YouTube. No no one. Yeah, yeah that's Literally, the because the way that Google hires, for those who aren't familiar, is that, um, so obviously YouTube is owned by Google. The way that Google hires is that they want to be able to have flexibility with their employees so that they can move them within the company. So that perhaps you work at, like, you work on, like, google docs or something for a year and then they slide you over to be like some sort of uh like audience development uh manager for youtube and then you know you get a promotion and you're working for like the marketing team like google ads or whatever like the way that they hire is that they want their employees to be so well-rounded in their minds that they can kind of slide them around within their 40,000 different products and departments sort of seamlessly, um, which really doesn't allow for people who work at YouTube to be kind of like dyed in the wool YouTube employees in a lot of, in a lot of sense. So like I know literally one employee of YouTube who I know personally who was a YouTuber and so actually had experience on the platform, but otherwise the other 2000 plus employees of YouTube don't really know kind of anything. And I'm being serious about this, about YouTube. It's very weird about like actually interacting and using YouTube at all. So these problems are very mysterious to them. And they look at almost everything through the lens of data because Google is a data company. They're not a creative company. They just care about data. So, you know, that's how all of their decisions are made, which is great probably for 99% of their products, but for the 1% of YouTube that is human driven and not data driven, uh, you just, they're going to constantly run into problems until they ever decide to actually start 
working with and talking to and running by uh, their ideas with actual people who use YouTube. Kind of seems like they don't even have an incentive to do that, though. Like they're just going to keep doing things the way they're doing it now because it's clearly this method is easy for them to move employees around and it's probably cost efficient. And what do they care if some YouTubers get upset that they're with their decisions? It's not going to stop the other billions of videos. Yeah. It, yeah. it has it has only reared its ugly head a few times, but when it has reared its ugly head, it has cost them tremendously. I don't know if you guys remember two years ago, maybe, when they removed almost every channel's verification just yeah. overnight oh, yeah. for no reason. <laughs> they just like removed verification for everybody except like Jimmy Kimmel Live or whatever. Um. And that was there was a huge blow up over that. Where all the creators were like, hey, w why am I not verified anymore? You know, like I use your platform all day, every day, whatever. Um, That's a big deal. That turned into it's a big deal being verified. You know, like people are very proud of that. And it showed it, it gave legitimacy to their massive project. And then all of a sudden mm -hmm. it's just like, just kidding. It's like if I woke up today and like my driver's license was revoked for no reason at all. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like my so, passport is shredded. <laughs> they uh, that cost them a lot of money because they ended up reversing that. And within the course of like three days or something, they went from removing everybody's verification to this gigantic project where it was like all hands on deck, like hundreds of engineers working on trying to get everybody's verification back. So there are instances in which they do lose out a lot by just doing things. And they did it recently again with the fan submissions of of uh closed captions where they yeah. just nuked that yeah i noticed that and they were like oh only 0.1 percent of users use that and it's like okay based on what though like what we're based on all, like the 100 percent of youtube videos that are uploaded because only one percent i think of youtube videos get a hundred thousand views right and those are the yeah. types of videos that are going to have fan submissions do you see what i'm saying like you can rig yeah. that data however you want it and it, it doesn't even it's not even a relevant data point. Yeah, well, that kind of almost makes it sound like they fail as a, da a data company because if they no, weren't no. to take a that's it makes sense as a data company, but it doesn't make sense from a creative. Yeah, because it's like yeah, right for for the but creative people, which is the one percent. <laughs> maybe it's insignificant data wise, but they're the ones who are really driving the core of the content. You know. Yeah, but wouldn't the data represent that? Like realistically, if one percent of the content is generating the most of most of the ad revenue. I, don't I feel think like it is. I don't know actually about that. Uh, see, I'm not good with data. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it might not be an ad revenue thing because uh, that's the weird position that YouTube is in is that they have these these top creators. I remember years ago. Oh my gosh, this was probably five years ago or so. I saw a chart from YouTube showing um, like the amount of views that like PewDiePie gets a month, right? Um, and I don't remember off the top of my head what it was, but back then it was, let's say it was like 50 million views a month. Okay. Uh, now compare that to like how many views, you know, a music video gets, it's a drop in the bucket. Like if, if yeah. you're going to compare YouTube creators to the whole of YouTube, we're nothing to them. Yeah. Nothing. It's like a blip. The only thing that we content. are, are like kind of PR for using the platform. It's a really weird situation. I do kind of wonder though, if Twitter outreach 
from these creators, which, you know, it's no, I, I think on Twitter, it's no small thing when someone like Critical is getting, you know, 10,000 likes and retweets or, or whatever at Team YouTube. I feel like <laughs> that is holding a lot of sway when it comes to um, getting stuff revoked and, and getting things changed. But other than that, I don't know. I don't think, I, I don't think emailing, emailing them is going to suffice. Yeah, that's interesting, too, because it's pretty obvious that having a large Twitter following enables you to deal with YouTube properly, which is something that you should be able to do without it. But in a weird way, it's almost like encouraging YouTube is encouraging you as the creator to invest in a different platform. It's, it seems backwards. Yeah, you think they would want to make it easy for you to deal with, to contact them through their own platform to avoid you potentially moving elsewhere. Yeah, creators now I, was, I think are more incentivized than ever to um, uh, diversify. Spread out, yeah, I saw uh, a couple tweets today that were uh, were saying that it's such a shame, uh, you know, such a shame to have to go on Twitter and kind of create uh, this this big, you know, big thing calling negative attention to YouTube to get the policy to change. And I clicked the person's profile and looked down and it was all retweets of, uh, protests and riots and stuff like that. <laughs> and I'm, and I'm thinking like you, you literally spent two weeks tweeting about how, uh, the only way to get something done is, uh, to, to have a, a public display of angst for better or worse. Uh, but then for some reason when it's YouTube, you're like, Oh, Ooh, no, actually, this is, you know, it shouldn't, shouldn't have to be this way. Um, well, that might just say it, that, uh, this person has more faith in a private company to deal with people than their own government, I guess. Well, yeah, that's I think that possible. goes back to the whole, I think that goes back to the whole mentality thing of, you know, like, again, do you, this is what I don't get about people who say they keep repeating the line, you know, YouTube's a private company. They can do whatever they want. They don't have to listen to free speech or this or that. I'm not even saying they, they have to, um, but the companies are beholden to to people or they should be ideally so it's like the same thing you you know you would never tell someone who's protesting to be like oh well that's the government they can legally do that or whatever it's like okay yeah but do you want to make a change or do you want to just be under their thumb mm -hmm. so who are yeah, you guys beholden to must be somebody uh, hope, i think my for me it's like i'm beholden to certain standards i have of myself my my family yeah. you know i wouldn't want to disappoint my family uh, friends. Wait, do you mean that as a YouTuber or as a person? What's the difference? Well, yeah, uh, that's, difference. that's a, a, a good point too. I can see somebody saying there is no difference and somebody else saying there is. I mean, Kevin's a good example where, um, like Kevin, your content is, you know, distinctly different from how, how you live your life. I mean, <laughs> uh, look, this is the big secret guys. Educational content creators generally don't sit around like doing math problems all day they like i'm making have... this podcast right now <laughs> yeah now now that we all know that <laughs> the truth it's like saying santa but yeah, isn't I mean, real like, <laughs> but there's a, a distinct santa's not real whereas if if you're doing something like commentary and it's about your thoughts is the line <laughs> a lot more blurry between who that person is and what their content is Ooh, that's a good that's a good point mm. I think uh, the political channels as well. This. I mean, yeah, I mean, uh, uh, if if you're talking about your political opinions on podcasts and on YouTube videos and stuff, uh, you're probably somewhat invested in that, you know, in, in normal life. So uh, uh, it's tougher to tell where one begins and the other ends and all that. Um, 
Hmm. Yeah, there's. Yeah, a, no, this is I think deeper everyone, than I intended. Everyone on YouTube that's well, just any site you know that's putting out any sort of creative projects and stuff out there and has an audience. There's always going to be a separation between their personal life and their online life. But for some people, that distinction is so much more boxed in like, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. Like uh, Dr. Disrespect, I think is a good example of this, where he has this very clear character, this very clear persona, but you know, I, I don't think he's Dr. Disrespect around his, his wife and his kid, you know, like he's a different, um, he's a different person once the stream is off completely. And well, that's, that's, I think, I feel like it's spicy to YouTubers the most. Yeah. Because of the fact that it's edited and controlled so much. Whereas Twitch streamers is probably the one place that you're going to find creators who are extremely authentic. Not always, probably not even mm. off commonly, but there are, that's the, like, you're not going to find difference. it on YouTube. Here's the difference though with, uh, with Twitch streamers, Twitch streamers, their real life becomes their streamer person with YouTubers. Mm. You can keep your, your YouTube person away from your real life person. And obviously we've seen this sometimes over time, this becomes intertwined so heavily, like probably, I don't know, with PewDiePie or something, he's probably actually pretty similar to how he is in his videos, you know, minus all the editing and stuff. Um, Maybe. Yeah. But I think have you seen I think people? of who is like a healthy, sorry, I'm gone. Oh, I, I was wondering if Kevin had seen, if he could think of people who have made these transitions, whether it's becoming the channel or the channel becoming them over time. <laughs> yeah, but I'm not going to say who because <laughs> well, there's got to be there's got to be an instance where it's like not <laughs> a, a terrible thing, right? Well, look, we can say that a lot of people uh have <coughs> accused Ethan Klein of this. Uh, like it's, you know, that's mm. all over Twitter every day. Like he gets heat for this all the time, so we're not uh, going out of bounds by saying that. Um but uh, yeah, there's the podcast be, for be them people. certainly it, it it was like a jarring event for people or not event but it, for people to see who he was in his videos versus him, him in a more natural setting when he's live and says I things think h3 <laughs> is the perfect example of the dis, of the difference between youtube and twitch because he streams his podcast on twitch and he's been doing that for the past well not two anymore but yeah oh really he doesn't stream it on twitch they anymore. don't even do it live anymore they just record it and put it on youtube oh that's weird why <laughs> well they, they had a falling out with twitch i think yeah, the Twitch really? thing was a huge. What they got paid a lot of money to do the Twitch thing because I know other people who were offered oh. a lot of money to start uh, streaming on Twitch. Wow. Um, but uh, we've actually uh, before you continue, we've actually had YouTubers who won't come on our podcast explicitly because they don't want to break the veil. Wow. Yes. Of their character of the, of who they are. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They're like, yeah. People know me as X, and I'm not going to come across as X on your podcast, and so I'm not going to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Interesting. It's See, the I opposite of the, the iDubbbz way around. Thing, you know. Yeah. He, yeah. With iDubbbz, he's like, yeah, I do one thing when I make my videos, but like, you know, I'm a I'm a normal guy when we're gonna talk, and he's totally and comfortable with that quality. Yeah, it absolutely is. And Psychic Pebbles is like that too. You know, we we talked a couple episodes about um, when we talked with Michael Cusack, who who works so closely with him, that if you watch. Uh, if you watch, uh, you know, Pebbles animations, you'd think this guy is like fueled by meth and, uh, just bonkers, <laughs> like every second of his life and hilarious, constantly hilarious. <laughs> well, no, yeah. the reality is that, is that, um, 
Zach can rip, you know, 20 minutes of the most engaging, uh, serious informational conversation ever. Like it's, it's shocking. Right. And, and I can see some people love that. Like they loved hearing him talk, uh, in a straightforward way on this show twice. Um, other people I'm sure just wanted, you know, like weird, weird jokes, like as, as a constant stream and, you know, they didn't get it, but, but no, I, I'm, I'm glad I totally forgotten that Kevin, that, that, yeah, we've asked a couple people who just flat out, flat out did not want to play that game. They didn't want to have to be themselves. It kind of makes me think of a few years back, PewDiePie did this video about forced positivity and how all the YouTubers will basically pretend to be this like very positive person, very happy and how he was sick of it. And he didn't want to, he was doing it himself in the past. And he didn't want to do it anymore. And when he made that video, everyone, it resonated with everybody and everyone liked him more for being honest. So I find it interesting that people don't see that authenticity is an attractive quality. And that because the way I see it is if you're not your authentic self, then you risk the chance of, when people discover who you really are of them not liking you. But if you build a base of people who are there because they like you and they see that you're flawed and you don't pretend to be perfect, then you're not going to lose people when you make a mistake because I mean, you might lose some extreme people, whatever, but in general, your, your core base is still going to be there because they understand what they got themselves into when they started following you. People, some people though, I don't think they're fully comfortable with who they are authentically mm-hmm. and they don't want to share that and they because they don't even like it themselves that's true when you guys when you guys meet youtubers like for example you get to vidcon and uh you're hanging out and meeting all of these people who you've seen videos of maybe you've talked to them maybe you haven't whatever uh do you do you notice any kind of of difference in in the mismatches between your expectations and then who they are well i'll say i'll say first and foremost uh both me and Sam are kind of, we're really not historically connected to like YouTube networks and communities of people. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I know of channels that have, you know, just a small following and they're way more connected with other YouTubers, like specifically in, in certain communities than, than I am. Like I don't really talk with a lot of YouTubers. So we did go, we actually did go to VidCon last year, last summer. And uh, it was an interesting experience because neither of us were really that well connected with anyone, even though I think in our own right, we're somewhat successful or we have we certainly have people who like our content. And, you know, I, I don't think we're complete like nobody's. But uh, it was interesting because it's it's sort of a very a lot of people go in, I think, feeling that way, you know, uh, like at these different parties or different things. VidCon itself, though. I, I mean, I could talk for hours about VidCon itself, but <laughs> it is such a weird dynamic because you have these like 10, 10-year-old kids with their families walking up. Meanwhile, you have like actual serious, you know, like filmmakers and, and YouTube stars there. Uh, it's it's a YouTube is just too big, I think, and too diverse for one convention. I think you need or one community. I think you need um almost your own like age groups or something at least for for events and communities like that because VidCon is just it's such a weird mashup of people. Mm-hmm. 
It is yeah, like, kind of like if there was like music con <laughs> and just like yeah. all of music showed up and it's like, hello, I also do music. How are you? Uh, I am in Cannibal Corpse. It's uh, it's nice to see you. Oh, hi. I'm Leanne Rhymes. Oh, it's nice to meet you, Leanne Rhymes. It is do you like sound? Do you like using the ears that nature put on your body? Then you've come to the right place. <laughs> Not a friend to the deaf. Music con. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, this this is kind well, of a theme, though. I mean, that yeah. the theme of how a thing happens and whether it's making rules for it, like on YouTube, I'm looking at you guys, you know, 20 minutes ago, I'm looking at the screen and, and seeing three people uh, who have very different channels all talk about rules that apply to them in the same way and uh, how they exist in in kind of a, a one size fits all platform. Um that, that same thing happens when you walk into a VidCon. And yeah, you talk about the 10-year-olds with their parents and then the filmmakers and whatever. Uh, it was the weirdest thing when VidCon became about like broad online media, right? At one point, it really was just YouTube. And you, you'd like meet one person who, <laughs> who was like killing it on Vimeo. Um, but then eventually, <laughs> like, I forget what year it was, but we rolled up and like, 50% of the people there were, you know, like Instagram and TikTok type people. Um, yep. it, it just yeah. wasn't, it wasn't even YouTube. It, it really was like, Hey, you do something on the internet that that's cool. So do I, um, it's, it's weird I, on the dynamic the on the social side. I get the impression that maybe you, you can actually, um, sort of vouch for this. I feel like 20, I didn't go 2016, but I think 2017, the first time I went, was sort of a pivotal year because that was when Jake Paul, Logan Paul, and their, you know, they brought all these fans over from Vine, all these kids mostly. It was insane. I mean, that was the year that they were like in, on the fountain, which is in front of the entrance to uh, the Anaheim Convention Center. Logan Paul was there vlogging. And you just saw, swar I was there in person. I saw swarms of kids, hundreds of them just crowding on this fountain. And it was bizarre. It was this, it was like this moment that the inner, the strange comment sections of YouTube and fans of, of TikTok kind of bled into real life. And I, and then ever since then, every year since then, uh, VidCon was kind of more, I think, catering to that style a little bit more. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it was primarily Sam. for young kids is what my perception of VidCon was the only time I went. Yeah, I was gonna. I was gonna ask, like, what was your perception? Because you you kind of went in cold last year yeah. with me. Yeah, like I I went to VidCon thinking like, oh, I'm gonna meet a bunch of cool YouTubers or something, and then I was like, why the fuck did I pay for this event? <laughs> like, I paid like two hundred dollars <laughs> just to. There was the convention was basically nothing. It was just like a bunch of uh, companies setting up their little promotions for their products, and everyone was like eight years old with their parents. And it seemed like the real convention that I wanted to attend was the hotel lobby next door where everyone, all the YouTubers were getting drunk and like the parties that were happening at night. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that, that so is, my, my word of advice, is, by the way, VidCon, if anyone yeah. wants to go to VidCon is uh, don't pay for the actual convention. Just fly out to L.A. and hang out around the convention. Well, people I did meet up to outside, too. Yeah. 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 I, I like I to make our own, own convention. Yeah. Tanacon, What's it going to be called? Uh, Gushcon. Gushcon. <laughs> I'd go to Gushcon. Cre create unknown con. That could work. <laughs> create con. I don't. 
the con we were planning unknown. on meeting some people from you know our 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 patrons yeah. and stuff at VidCon this year, and then coronavirus hit, yeah. and yeah. we weren't able to do that. It's funny that you mentioned Vine. That was the first really kind of other thing other than YouTube that had its own stars. I remember in the early days, the only other thing that that was there besides YouTube was Blip TV, which I don't even know if you guys <laughs> <Yeah>. remember Blip TV, <laughs> but really. that is long, long since gone. Um, and that's, that's how old that, that's how old I am. <laughs> yeah. Blip. Uh, I, I remember how back old in the are day, you, actually out yeah. of curiosity, uh, 30, almost 37. Okay. You Not can see Kevin's full bio on the website Wikifeet. <laughs> <laughs> I was just on there, actually. <laughs> were you on Standing there? Page. Uh, like an article was on there or were you just browsing? I was just browsing. So I, I can't see slush page, actually. on Wikifeet? <laughs> <laughs> no, not yet. Speaking of age, that. I think that the age of, I think age is becoming more it's going to sound maybe weird, but I think age has become more irrelevant the more our lives are tied to the internet in the sense that it's like I'm in the same, I feel like it's sometimes I'm in the same space as someone who's like, like I know, I know YouTubers who are like 18, 17, and they're just, they're doing something completely different with their channels. But, you know, maybe I, I met them at VidCon. Like this is actually the case with someone I know named Elixir who, yep. uh, yeah, like this awesome. blogging. Yeah, he is. He's yeah. cool. He's a cool, he's a nice guy. Yeah. Um, cool kid. He, uh, I met him at VidCon 2017 and it's because I was doing some stream and he was like following me around and he's like 13. He was 13 at the time. <laughs> now, now he's uh 16 and we, you know, we still keep in touch like on discord and stuff, but it's just, I'm learning that you're, it's almost like I, I, you know, I used to think, oh, you know, like I'm getting old or I'm doing this or whatever. I'm, I'm 25, but I, I see people not even just YouTubers, like comedians and stuff too, or in their thirties and their forties. And even people, uh, like these online father figures that I talked about in, uh, my last video that I just made, I mean, Joe Rogan's like 50. Um, and that's, I don't, I think age is less of a limiting factor. It's more like how in touch are you with, um, with the community, with, with the internet, with the culture. Mm-hmm. Well, look, I mean, we're all in, uh, in there are a lot of group chats and stuff on, on Twitter and on, you know, discord servers and stuff like that, but we're in the same one with a couple people who, who, yeah, are like 16, 17, 18 killing yeah. it on YouTube. There are uh, a couple elderlies in there like me, but it makes no difference. Like it's, it's all a bunch of people hanging out, talking about YouTube. And if you're interested in whatever topic is being discussed, you talk about it. And if somebody read a transcript of, of, uh, all those conversations, you really would, would never be able to point to ages on a lot of the stuff. Um, you you certainly wouldn't say it's weird. (laughs) Well, yeah. Keemstar, Keemstar is, I, I know he's 40 because when he, uh, it was a couple months ago, he posted about being 40 and I thought, well, this is, this is weird because you can begin to draw from social security at 62. Uh, the standard is 65, but you can start at 62, uh, if, if you want. And I thought that's 22 years away for him. He turned 18, <laughs> 22 years ago. So Keemstar is literally at the halfway point of adult eligibility to draw from social security. That's a weird milestone. <laughs> yeah. And yet it's a weird thought. His, uh conduct online well, it's, it's true 
<laughs> you would never think that he's older than I don't know right. nineteen or something. But of course, the problem <laughs> I think I think within the Smash community specifically, we've seen this manifest, and other communities I suspect yeah. Minecraft, yeah. Uh, which Gaming is of course in general. Right, which is of course when you have this kind of space, like, and as you just said, ninety nine percent of the time, it's just it doesn't even matter, like, really, what what age you are, because we're just talking about YouTube or or this or that or different things. But uh, certain predatory people, uh, uh, they take advantage of that, and they'll, as we saw with the Smash community. I mean, there's all these things coming out about underage girls, underage boys, being uh, just sexual misconduct with older people in the community uh, and harassment and just pretty bad things you know uh that's the other problem of course with with uh these internet spaces is that you know as a professional smash player someone like zero he is occupying the same space as maybe a 16 year old girl who's also like in the community even younger even younger and that's not it's actually not weird that they're in the same community, but it is weird, obviously, when you, they're interacting in a certain way. Um, so that's yeah, the and you have to think it wouldn't side. it wouldn't happen like like the case with Zero, for example. It probably wouldn't happen if he wasn't occupying a space with such a diverse age group. I doubt yeah. that he would be actively going out of his way to find some fourteen year old girl or something. I mean, I don't know him, but I have my doubts. But I feel like because they occupy the same space, this stuff happens where he in his head he thinks it's okay or something at the time it's like a co-worker like uh, yeah. being near a co-worker or something his perception of the person he's talking with is uh dictated by their common interest rather than life experience differences and a lot of what these can... guys are also typical i think it's worth mentioning a lot of them are kind of they're not exactly the most socially informed or aware a lot of the times when they're so deep into a gaming community or any kind of online community. And so it's they might not be as socially aware to be like, OK, this is wrong or this is I'm not saying that's an excuse, obviously, but I'm just saying uh, this is another factor, I think, that leads to these problems. What do you yeah. guys think can be done about that sort of thing? Because um is there any is there any regulation or something that could occur within the industry itself? I have no idea. I'm I'm completely unfamiliar with um that whole like esports side of the world. I think that uh the the first step is definitely drawing awareness to it, draw attention to it because I think because of what happened in the Smash community and all the drama that occurred and all the misconduct that was revealed over the last couple months that we'll see. This is just a guess, of course. I could be wrong, but I think that we'll see in the future that there will be less of this behavior. It won't be tolerated. It'll be people will be more vigilant about looking out for it. People will be more uh, people like Zero who did stuff like that are probably or, or who are in his position in the sense that like they're they're a top player right now and they haven't done anything wrong yet. They're probably going to be. Uh, more aware of the age of the people they're interacting with, the lines will be drawn more clearly, I think. Mm -hmm. But did anybody get banned for any of this? I honestly oh, yeah. don't even really know the details of it. So so were people banished from uh, the yeah, tournaments and stuff like that? a bunch of them are not allowed to go to tournaments anymore. Um, Twitch dropped people. Uh, they some people, people, yeah, people got banned on social media platforms. People got, all of those people got banned out of the community pretty much. I don't think 
some of them, depending on what they did, I guess some of them are going to be allowed to return based on some stipulations, maybe. But I can't imagine some, like the ones who were especially egregious, like Sinpai. I, I I would be pretty disappointed if I found out that she was ever allowed to commentate at a tournament again. To be honest, was I don't. She, was she really... the one who kind of like began dating a very young guy? He was like yeah. thirteen, and that evolved yeah. into something that it really shouldn't have. That was Senpai, said. Yeah. She so yeah. she had a boyfriend, and but then she started uh, getting sexual with like this thirteen-year-old kid who I swear to God looked like he was eight years old in the pictures of when they were like you're not wrong about this. that yeah it's like really when gross. i saw it, when i saw the photos it was obvious that this is absolutely a middle school yeah. kid like there's no way no mistaking a mature for his age look yeah physically no it, it was like <laughs> yeah. it was like actually disgusting to see uh it was pretty awkward yeah i think uh the going forward uh it makes sense to me that you would continue to see some sort of community enforcement. I think you have to have that, um, you know, like these people getting you, you, this is the, uh, this is the part of the, I don't even know what to call it. I want to say the me too movement, but it's more like with, with what I've seen in the past month or two on Twitch and YouTube, even it's, it's like an online, uh, me too, me too movement or something like that. And I think, the good side of that, obviously, is that people's voices who were victimized are able to speak up and hold the the those abusers accountable, yeah. mm-hmm. um, and that's definitely good, and that needs to continue. Uh, I think there's going to be some collateral damage, and we've seen that too, where there are people who get bunched up when they maybe shouldn't be in yep. these accusations, and that's you know I'm not trying to dismiss that like that's a problem too and I don't it's just uh it's tricky because you need the community to keep these rules of uh to keep to keep people accountable right I mean who else is going to yeah I guess the problem is that the, now you have to hold the community leaders accountable as well and it's like it's a it's a difficult problem to solve yeah I want to ask about something you said a few minutes ago about how generally all of these things from YouTube to Twitch to games to whatever, um, there's this range of ages where people are, are hanging out and it's this confluence of all sorts of different people at different points in their lives doing the same thing. And it works really well. Okay. So you get that, but then there's this section of places like Twitter where there's like, I'd call it almost militants about ages. Okay, and we see this where it's like this guy was born three hours before this girl he dated. He's a pedophile. Um, You know, it goes beyond like (laughs) we just talked about some really obvious instances of of situations being inappropriate. But we've also seen this real tightening of of rules on things like ages, you know, where, where people are held to account for things that. Five years ago, somebody would have looked at it and thought, well, that's probably an unwise situation. You know, they shouldn't do that or it's not going to work out or something. And now it's straight up it's kind of cancel good. somebody. How? Yeah. Yeah. How do you square those two things that on one side, everybody's coming together and hanging out and having a good time and it's we're all better off for it. And then there's a subset where the rules are now a hundred times stronger than they used to be. Mm. Yeah, Twitter is uh, does that a lot, where they just make everything way more strict. The thing is, like, like, aren't 
is that the average person who's saying, oh, well, this uh, 19-year-old and 17-year-old are together. That's pedophilia. Because you do see stuff like that. But I feel like usually that's extreme people who are just very loud. I don't know. Because it, it, I feel like the whole age thing is so all over the map where you have some people who will say like, oh, well, they're both relatively close in age. It's fine. Where another person will look at it and be like, that's completely disgusting. And then you'll also have people say, this is sort of uh, like, I, I, maybe I'm moving topics a little bit, but I think it, it's related where you have um, age of consent in regards to kids who want to transition is for some reason, it seems like the people who would say a 20 year old and a 17 year old is pedophilia would simultaneously say that a 15 year old knows enough about their body to begin transitioning. And I don't see why those wouldn't be the same thing. Hmm. You know what I mean? Because they're like, oh, you're you're this like age. You're not fully developed. You're just a child. It doesn't matter if you're 17. Meanwhile, that logic doesn't apply the other way. And so I feel like the just the whole age topic of discussion is just a mess that maybe needs to be. I don't know uh, exactly. Yeah. Too many examples. Uh, I think I know what you're talking about with, in regards to. Uh, yeah. People being very strict about like ages and stuff. And I think that's that can be a problem. I don't know exactly if I know if that's a huge issue right now, though. Is it? I, do you know of any examples of like where? Because I'm trying to think how how pervasive. Do you mean like really examples is. to go beyond just people being loud on Twitter? No, I mean even just people being loud on Twitter about like age differences that maybe you and me would would scoff at as being a big deal. I mean, obviously, there's a big deal when it's a minor versus a an adult. I can but think I mean, of an example. Um, Mike Headley, the Twitter user who's always getting banned. Uh, I remember Didn't seeing he get banned him again in like yeah. 10 minutes after getting getting back allowed on. Oh, wow. Yeah, he did. <laughs> yeah. I, th- I think uh, Wang I posted seeing... a banning speed run. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> I saw did. that. <laughs> there was a time where he was. So there was some girl who was 17 and she was on OnlyFans, but you're not allowed to be on OnlyFans unless you're 18. Oh, right. And right. he was saying that everyone who follows her is a groomer, but, and, and then it shows pictures of her and it's like, no one who's following that account, if like she's lying about her age, there's no way that anyone knows that she's lying about her age. They're not groomers. And he's, he's basically, he was attacking people on Twitter, calling them groomers. And, uh, mm. That's, I, see, I feel that like seems if he heard opposite. me, he would, he would say I'm like a pedophile enabler or something. If you heard me saying this right now. So, so, okay. Okay. I see what you're saying now. I get exactly what you're saying. And I've seen that actual tweet. Uh, here's my problem with that. Maybe this is controversial to say, but the emphasis is always on groomers, which obviously exist. But in this case, it's more like reverse grooming or entrapment mm-hmm. or something like that, where it's like, and that's not to say, I mean, personally, uh, you know, they're, they're, okay, we all know guys. Personally, I'm not attracted to like girls that are younger than me, generally speaking. But mm-hmm. we all know guys that you know, 18 year old girls, 19 year old girls are appealing to them, even if they're you know 20, you know, in their mid 20s or something like that. And whether you think that's wrong or right or whatever you think about that, the point is a lot of girls can look very mature and look of age and look, uh, you know, like a woman even when they're not exactly. Uh, and obviously there's only a certain point to where that's uh, acceptable, you know, but this girl that you're talking about who was, who was 17 on OnlyFans, and I saw the picture, like she looks like 
She has a ton of makeup on. She's got like, very, it's very like provocative imagery. And yeah. it's again on a site that's like 18 plus. The guys who are following her, they're not groomers. They're actually getting basically led on in like a kind of. Yeah, the rough. platform is, it says it's 18 plus. So why would they think otherwise? Right. Like the responsibility is always, always put on the men. And it's never put at all on like the the woman in this case or the girl in this case. It's like or well, the site to, to, to be fair. Mike Henley was criticizing her directly as okay. well, but he that's was also criticizing fair. everyone that followed her. So it was like, right. OK, yeah. But that's what I'm saying. Like you and need I, to have. Yeah. You, yeah, I think I think there there have been several cases of of underage guys on OnlyFans as well you know, uh, engaging in, in the same stuff where somebody looked at it and thought, well, if they're on this platform, they have to be 18 and not thinking too hard about it. Um, mm -hmm. that's, that's a really murky area, you know, on, on who's at fault with that. Uh, because real, well, I mean, Hey, on Twitter, how many, yeah. Do you, do you think people really respect the, uh, what is it? 13 years old on YouTube and Twitter that you have to, no, <laughs> the, no. That when you make an account, the box comes up and it's like, you must be at least 13. Um, or, or for viewing that? porn, you know, for viewing porn. Do you think anyone who the first time they watched porn was actually waited till they're 18? Fuck no. Uh, <laughs> and that, that's really the problem. It, everything we're saying really just, it's not about one person or this group or that group. Really what it comes down to is the platform, the internet, the medium. The medium just makes it so easy, whether it's viewing things you shouldn't view or being in places and communities that you, you shouldn't be interacting with this person. It's it removes all these barriers for better or worse. And we're talking about these ways in which it's unfortunately worse. I, I happen to think that pornography being so accessible, for example, to like young boys or young girls is is a big problem, too. But all that the only thing stopping that is a pop-up that every single kid ignores you know i certainly did the first time i watched porn i know for a fact that every single person who listens to this podcast who's in our discord and absolutely everyone who's a patron uh and uh, from the tots up to the baby gang only viewed pornography after they were 18 and had a note signed by their parents and pastor <laughs> right, i know this for a right. fact every Poor single rabbi. one did yeah. Or rap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, so, so I want I want to push this a little bit into the culture around that that part of online life, right? And that that OnlyFans culture, which uh, Glink, I know you did a video about uh, about OnlyFans. You did a video about parasocial relationships, slush. You touch on some of these elements in your videos, like the, these themes. Uh, you know, make it in in less explicit ways. Um, what 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 is what is happening with the idea of making something like an OnlyFans and then having a community of people? Uh, I don't even know the right word for it um, because it seems to range from. Well, yeah, yeah, it seems to range from. I like that. I want to see this thing, so I pay for this thing. The same way people do with a Patreon for a podcast to. Yeah almost like a simping lifestyle that's really weird you get the reddit posts uh that make their way around twitter where it's like i'm in four thousand dollars of debt and haven't paid my rent in three months but i just upped you know all of my only fan subs uh you know th that that seems unwise but that's mm -hmm. the extreme on the other end How, what what is happening with this yeah i well i think you have it right that there's kind of two different camps you know there's 
let's let's be honest. Like, let's just speak a little bit. I'm going to speak a little bit uh, bluntly here. There's guys who just want to get their nut off and don't really they're not trying to form like some sort of relationship or get married to to the model or whatever. Uh, they just it's just eye candy for them. OK. Mm-hmm. And then there's a certain camp of guys where maybe it's not even about that or maybe that's just part of it. But really, they're desperate for female attention. They're desperate for a girlfriend, any of these things. And I think that for me is the main concern when it comes to OnlyFans and, and things like it. I think you see a lot of that happening where it's it's girls, the, the smart girls, the successful ones, they're successful. And I've interviewed them. I've talked with them because they interact with their fans. They make it seem like a uh, a relationship for for uh, it's not, but it's like a simulated one. And I don't blame that. They're just they're using the site. They're doing it. They're making money. The girls, I mean, uh, and and a lot of them maybe have aspirations far beyond OnlyFans and it's just a stepping stone for them and and whatnot. But the end result, I think, is that you were getting the value of of it's it's hard to it's like the sexual market value of men is now lower because it's like to even talk with a girl, you need to pay for her attention and it's fake anyways. And you might say, well, that's only men who are desperate enough, blah, blah, blah. Right. But what I'm saying is when you create a market that's big, it's like, okay, well, that's now becoming, uh, it's changing the perception of men. It's like a girl who's attractive and she's like, I could just make an OnlyFans and get 50 simps to pay me $5 a month. Why would I waste time with this guy or talking to this guy? I, I think it changes the dynamic and the landscape a lot of, uh, of dating, of relationships, these kinds of things. I think that uh, the the girls who are providing a simulated girlfriend experience for guys who are hooked on OnlyFans because they're lonely, I th- I find that a, like sinister. I guess you could say because it's almost like they're preying on the fact that they're they're making the guy feel like oh like maybe just maybe we'll get together and we'll we'll start a relationship and they're just it's like an empty promise that they're ta- like the cheese at the end of the string you know. Running on the treadmill. <laughs> it's like a dumb and dumber anywhere. when she says, uh, yeah, it's a one in a million chance or yeah, something. Exactly. He's like, so you're telling me there's a chance? <laughs> He's all pumped right. about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's exactly like that. So I find that like a little bit immoral to uh, essentially lie to someone. I mean, it's not an explicit lie. It's like an indirect lie, but I, I don't approve of it. That specific. Like, I don't approve of, of uh, uh, what's it called? I don't know. Leading on. Yeah, on men and essentially, yeah, yeah. and I, I on think, that. But I think OnlyFans. I mean, that's, highlights yeah. it, it highlights deeper problems that were already there, though. Of course, because if we didn't have what I would say is a growing subset of very lonely men who are desperate enough to pay for something like that, um, and it's not, it's not on the like. I don't even blame the men because it's like that's the other thing is. I mean, look at the world we live in now, where. Your the most valuable jobs are on the computer, are staying home, are remote, and um, for a lot of people, that's a very lonely lifestyle. And even if that's even if they are employed, you know, so um, it's it's a strange time, <laughs> and I think that's highlighted so, with uh, the relationships. Yeah, I think there's a really interesting contrast here between OnlyFans, mm, the way the way you somebody has to communicate with their community on an OnlyFans, this relationship you're describing and something like a Vsauce 2 and what Kevin does. They seem conceptually similar to me in that like, like Kevin, you were 
content is a relationship with with your subscribers. Like you seem to want to make videos that make anybody who watches them feel good about, you know, about pursuing kind of smart things. You want to make them feel like they they've ended a video and know more than they did and feel better about themselves after that. You want to encourage that. You want to be approachable. Um, YouTube, how many, how many seminars and stuff have we seen going back however many years where they encourage community development in exactly the same way as you guys are describing with sexuality, but it just doesn't have the sex element. What's is, is there a difference that I'm not seeing? I think so. I think the, the biggest difference is with a YouTube channel, there is no, at least there shouldn't be an empty promise that is never going to be fulfilled. You know, you, you're establishing a relationship with your viewers and you're forming community, but there's no promise that it's going to go further than it already does. You know what I mean? Like, sure, you, you might be communicating with each other via Twitter or Discord and stuff like that, but that's all, you know, that's all fair game. You're saying that you're going to do that, you do that, but you're not saying like, oh, like, you keep following me, keep watching my videos and subscribe to me on Patreon and like, we're going to, you'll be like my best friend and we're going to hang out in real life all the time, you know? There are definitely uh, fans of creators. It's probably especially on Twitch who have that mentality. They think that donating is going to get them there to be able to buy friendship. But I've never seen a streamer actually say it themselves or, or insinuate it. In fact, I've seen streamers like Misgif straight up say, you're not, you can donate to me all you want, but it's not going to mean we're friends. Yeah. And, and I would just to add on to that, I would even say also there is a pretty big distinction between the feeling you have as a viewer, let's say, of seeing a YouTuber, seeing someone and wanting to be their friend, you know, you might have a, a feeling for that and you might have a, a desire to do that. But I would also say it's just naturally going to be way more enticing to uh, the sexual side of that. When you're sexually attracted to someone, um, those feelings are going to be even more intense. And you know, so it's in other words, like I can almost overlook a little bit if somebody is is acting friendly as a, as a YouTuber, acting like you're going to be friends, let's say, and and you have the perception that you're going to be friends, and you don't end up being friends, versus uh, buying into the idea that this girl might be interested in you. It just it's playing with a deeper set of emotions, is what I would say. There was a little bit of uh, of research that popped the other day. A guy tweeted it. Um, Oh, what's his name? What's his, uh, Rolf Deegan. Do you follow him, Kevin? Is he a psychologist? I don't know. I, yeah, I do follow him. Uh, I don't know if what his, um, academic background is, but all he tweets are research papers from a pretty wide swath of, uh, scientific disciplines. But yeah, he's a great follow because literally he just tweets different research. That's all. Without yeah, commentary, you turned, which is yeah. what I like about it. He doesn't editorialize. He that's just, cool. here's the research, and that's then that's good. it. Yeah, that's he's a good cool. follow. A thing he tweeted uh, about a week ago, really, um, was a, a paper in uh, one of the journals on Sage. And uh, the title of it was, Sexual Arousal Makes People Project More Sexual Interest Onto the Target That Evoked the Arousal. And this clicked with me because we'd been talking about a lot of this stuff, and I've been reading articles about it, seeing videos about it, um, looking at kind of all the different angles people have here. And I'm thinking, uh, well, Could if you you've got a system where... Um, so it, it's kind of a reciprocal 
uh, escalating like reciprocal horniness. How about that? Uh, where like attachment, if, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, so for example, if it's something like a strip club, uh, if a stripper, um, shows, expresses arousal and interest and a customer, they are in turn going to respond with heightened interest mm. because they see it as, as a kind of safe thing. Well, or, if, if yeah. your business is, is that, and this escalating kind of arousal that bounces back and forth and gets a little heavier each time on either party, um, that seems like it could get weird after a while, like it could get out of control. What do you do when, if, if you're a stripper, let's say, let's get somebody to do a lap dance and it's all done in, in 15 minutes. And that's the end of, for to use a clinical word, the transaction. But if it's an OnlyFans, you would want somebody to stick around and sub month after month after month. So mm-hmm. how do you behave to make sure somebody is going to subscribe to you for 12 or 18 months? It seems like you would have to facilitate this escalating thing, right? And in, in turn, your viewers would too. And you get these crazy simps uh, who, who are sacrificing rent money to really keep having this relationship built on a promise that can't be fulfilled. Like, is, is that a logical conclusion to this? Because that's what was swimming through my head when I read that. And I thought, oh, this seems really significant. I think that, yeah, I, I think what it is, is it's the it's the commodification of lonely men. It's the monetization, capitalizing off of lonely men. And I think you're absolutely right. I think it just creates that situation where it's a reciprocal thing and where it grows and grows. And you get these like Pokimane was criticized, who's a Twitch streamer, who, by the way, doesn't even she's not like she's really not someone who I think does this very much, but she's just a very popular Twitch streamer. And so she yeah. has her own crazy simps or whatever. Uh, and th- those are often memed. But I think we're going to see more of that. I think that's going to just be a more common thing. I mean, this whole month is called uh, on Twitter. I'm reading. It's like no sim <laughs> sem- September. Like that's the thing now. <laughs> <laughs> It makes me worried. Uh, it makes me worried for these girls who are doing this, that the, that they're in danger or that they're putting themselves in danger mm-hmm. for, uh, attracting someone who is going to be obsessive to the point of, um, it, that something dangerous could occur. I, I think that's very scary to me. That's mm-hmm. true too. That is, that is, that's the other side of it is like, yeah, when people get so obsessed, and these these girls all have stories of someone who's a stalker, who's a you know they they had to move addresses or something. You know, th- yeah. there's always this crazy shit going on with with girls who have to experience. I mean, even as I think even male male YouTubers experience some level of fanatic fans, right? Like sometimes, but I, I definitely think attractive girls have it pretty extreme with that. Yeah, I mean, you don't have to be a uh, uh, on YouTube or a streamer. Uh, to have creepy, weird guys obsessed with you. I have had like plenty of friends over the years that have had really weird interactions, you know, just because they're a bartender, right? And this guy comes to the bar every weekend and he's getting really creepy and he's staying late until, you know, uh, the bar closes and, uh uh-oh, you know, we have to like walk her to her car because, you know, this guy's here and what are we going to do? So, um... I don't know that that just freaks me out 
worried about their their own safety um, in in these types of situations and these relationships that are getting created, you know, that are that are that are a facade. And I you think talked it's about also, commodifying. Oh, sorry. Well, I was going to say. I was just going to say. It's also yeah. That's the other part of it is that it's also sort of a facade for these girls who maybe they don't know all these risks associated with it going into it. You know, they don't, they just see the dollar signs and they're like, well, this will work out well. But of course there's all these, these liabilities of guys who, yeah, can really. I wonder about that. I feel like, um, a lot of girls are pretty aware of the predatory nature of men out there. So I do wonder how cognizant they are of, of what they're getting themselves into by engaging in this stuff online. And also something that I talked about in my, uh, video about the just chatting section of Twitch, the Twitch IRL one was how the growing presence of female content creators on Twitch that are intentionally engaging in this kind of thing is sort of poisoning the well for uh, girl streamers who aren't engaging in that because now there's this expectation that they're going to put out on camera or act like they're someone's girlfriend to the chat. And uh, like Greg and I both actually interviewed the same girl, uh, Kazooie girl. And she said that she's been streaming for over seven years. And in the last few years, it's gotten so much worse where people, if she's in the just chatting section at all, people will just assume that she's going to be doing like, she's going to bend over for donations or, or I'd like say like, Oh, hi, honey. And like all that stuff. And she's just not like that at all. And she, she hates that the environment has gotten in that way. You mentioned the commodification of lonely guys. What happens with the lonely girls? What are they doing right now? Because there are a lot of them. You know, if you go on Twitter, it's the same. Uh, you, you get the same kind of loneliness scores from guys and girls in your feed. Uh, you get the same yeah. senses that there are just as many lonely girls out there. Why are they not responding in the same ways? Well, I if think, anything, they're on the other side of it, aren't they? Like they would, they would be, they wouldn't be looking for uh, male streamers to give them attention. They would be looking for, they, they would be looking to stream to get attention if anything, yeah. because that's just how the market place is. But I think to your point, there is this, no, it is, it is a situation where it is, it's not, it might seem like girls are benefiting and they might be financially in the short run. If you're attractive, if you're on this site, if you're willing to do this, like sure. But, um, there is a lot of loneliness created for, for girls too. And I think it manifests a little differently because for them, it's more like, I, I don't know, I, I shouldn't say for sure, but my perception is that, some girls, they almost just want to check out. It's like, yeah, sure. They can, let's say they can stream, they can get attention online, but they're almost, they don't want, they don't necessarily want that kind of attention or they don't want it all the time. And, uh, or that attention itself is just fleeting. It's not real as oftentimes online attention is. Uh, I think you see this a lot with girls who they'll post selfies a lot on Twitter or Instagram, whatever. And, you know, you'll get likes, you'll get comments, but how many of those people are are you actually talking to? How many of those people do you actually care about and vice versa? It's just fleeting social media attention. Uh, I think that's the struggles. I think that's the struggles that a lot of girls uniquely face compared to guys. Well, and there are studies that represent this that I've read that are, are extremely worrying about the levels of increase in anxiety and depression, particularly among girls that can uh, be correlated like pretty closely with the rise of certain social media platforms such as Instagram. And it's a really, really concerning problem because of um, 
Well, I mean, because you know, we don't want that. Why would we, <laughs> we, we would love if everybody's in depression and anxiety were going down, not up. Um, but with girls in particular, it has seemed to gone up a lot more than guys. Um, and again, I, I don't know what can be done about that, but it seems like a, a problem. Not a lot of people are talking about and, and maybe we should be. Mm -hmm. I think, uh, yeah, I, I don't think there's an easy, easy solution, but I, I do think that connecting, connecting with people is always going to help, uh, overall is always going to be better than not. And, um, yeah, I, with the girls specifically, I think I know what you're talking about. I think I saw the study, uh, about how Instagram use, uh, amongst like preteen girls has even caused a spike in preteen depression and suicide, which is horrifying that that's even a thing. But I, I've noticed that too, like just younger and younger people, what, whether I've interacted with them on discord or whatever, it's like, wait, you're like 14, 13 and you're depressed or like you feel depressed. Like that's just a foreign concept. When I was that age, that seems like it was way, way less a thing. So that's pretty it's interesting because certain forms of social media like Instagram and Twitter probably like heighten depression and anxiety because you see other people engaging in activities that you aren't. It seems like you're missing out and all this stuff. But then you have stuff. I don't know if you would call is Discord a form of social media because I feel like Discord is a place where people can connect in a much more real way over yeah. voice and video chat. And that probably is yeah. a case where it helps people who are lonely. I think Discord helps or it can help for sure. Yeah. I guess it's not exactly a social media though as much as it's a communication platform. Yeah. It's trying to be both sometimes with the servers and such, but the main yeah. way I use it is is to hang out with like friends and stuff. Yeah. It's interesting to see as you guys talk about this stuff, um see what's happening in the episode chat with with uh the patrons in Discord. Uh Kino, who the Kino Corner, who you guys both know quite well. <laughs> Uh, said Instagram is for girls. YouTube is for boys, <laughs> which yeah. is a painting with a bit of a broad brush. But uh, I think the point uh, that, that he's making on it is that visual platform seems to fit, fit the interests uh, and kind of needs that, that its users really that have. Sense. Yeah. yeah. I think YouTube and is Dojangles, also... who is, who is a, she said, yeah, that's not true. I use, you know, I have uh, Instagram and YouTube, you know, she's, uh, got her own channel and is a pretty big presence in several different YouTube communities. And there are a lot of people like her too. So, yeah. you know, it's not a rule that, that fits for everybody, but no. is there a, you know, is I mean, there we know that YouTube is definitely a, a general pattern predominantly male audience uh, in general. I but think it depends on the community too, right? Because there's, yeah. you know, YouTube is so diverse. Like the, there's the makeup community, there's the beauty community, there's the commentary, there's the fitness. I mean, there's just so many different, there's like a female fitness community too, I'm sure, mm -hmm. you know, like, uh, so I, I almost, that's the thing with YouTube is I don't feel like YouTube is really a niche thing at all. I think YouTube is, it's, it is just media. It is just new media and anything you want has its own community, its own thing. So I don't know if I would say, I don't know if I would agree with that, actually, that guys, even if, even if the most of the viewers of YouTube are male, I don't think it's, there's anything about the, the site I see that makes it. it is that, uh, empirically it's male dominated in terms of audience, but YouTube is so big that there are massive niches that can be completely flip sided where it's like extremely female dominated and stuff like that. Yeah. From, from the data that I've gotten from 
uh, people I've talked to at YouTube, it, it's not that big of a swing. Um, it may be like five percentage points or oh, so. Wow, um, yeah, it's it, it's like there's a slant, but it's not it's not gigantic. So yeah, you're right. They're they are they're really spread out. Um, I, I guess perhaps what that may or may not reflect is how uh, hard like what the slant is of hardcore users. Meaning people who leave comments, people who have a lot of subscriptions, yeah. people who use their account all the time and watch other YouTubers. Mm -hmm. um, so that is to say, like, I'm not sure if um, a lot of girls, you know, go onto YouTube to watch music videos, right. for instance. Because that's the big thing. YouTube is actually just a music platform. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, it's like music like gaming sort of underneath there. And then like everything else is way, 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 way at the bottom. So, uh, but obviously, you know, um, I've talked about this a lot before, uh, you know, my audience is predominantly male and I've always tried to diversify that. L uh, luckily, TikTok for me has been uh, um, quadruple the female viewership that I get on YouTube on TikTok. How do you feel about TikTok, by the way? Because that's something I've been very hesitant to even even make a profile on. I mean, what do you? How do you use it, Kevin? And how do you? Um, how do you like it? I don't use it in terms of watching it. I use it. I I only use it to upload. Um, but what I like about it is the stakes are about thirty five billion times lower. <laughs> Then uploading on YouTube, yeah. uploading on YouTube, the stakes are so incredibly high and the pressure is so incredibly high to make some sort of magnum opus mm -hmm. every time you upload something. Yeah. Whereas on TikTok, I mean, people are watching maybe for 15 seconds if the thing lasts that long. Right. So uh, the expectations could not be lower. It's really night and day. They're like opposite platforms for me. So it's really nice to be able to just exp like introduce a concept, like introduce some sort of paradox or like circular logic problem or riddle. And that's it. And it takes, you know, a couple of minutes to record and I'm done. And it doesn't have to be this like long drawn out process of like, ugh, like meticulously worrying about the intro to this yeah you know, yeah. concept to like hook people and get them to keep watching and like pay it off later and blah, 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 mm -hmm. blah. I mean, you guys know how that goes. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, as like a content creator, TikTok is, people are going to, I know people hate TikTok, but it is a bit of a breath of fresh air for me because it allows me to just make stuff without feeling like, um, I don't know, like it has to be the most important thing in the world. That makes sense. Totally. It's low commitment. And it's, yeah, it's more casual. You could still get a point across. So slush, the low stakes part. When I make a what? When yeah, slush. When are you making TikToks? <laughs> I actually technically have a TikTok, but uh, not First to get political. I, I I don't want to use it because of China. <laughs> yeah, that's the other concern. Is like, where's my information going? Is it going to be? Is it going to be used for facial recognition technology? Are they going to have a profile on me? Like that's what I'm wondering. Yeah, I don't give them access to anything. No microphone, no camera. Oh, really? <laughs> no. Definitely the way to go. Yeah, I just turn that stuff all off all the time. Okay, so you just up, you like pre-record it and then upload it or something. Yeah, you right? can upload it. Yeah, on desktop or whatever. So I just turn off all the permissions to my phone. Okay, that might be the move. Yeah, <laughs> definitely the way to go. Kevin mentioned low stakes and how 
it's nice not to commit tremendous amounts of effort to something that, uh, you know, when it does well, it's, it's incredible. It's the best to look at the studio data in YouTube and see, you know, tens or hundreds or thousands of people are watching something concurrently. That's an amazing thing after all of that effort. But Slush, what's it like to put a whole lot of effort into a video, months maybe, and then have somebody steal it? Oh God. Yeah. Uh, it's not, what it's happened not a there? good feel. So, <laughs> so that happened with my Reckful video. I put nine months into the video and then what happened was a Twitch streamer watched it on stream, which I was fine with, but then someone who wasn't even the streamer themselves took it upon themselves to upload it to their YouTube channel. And then I asked them to take it down and they deleted my comment. So then I struck their, the video, like I copy struck them. And then they just sent me emails for like a week about how I'm a big piece of shit and I'm so greedy and like all, all, all these negative comments. And it was really, really frustrating. I mean, eventually I just ignored them. And this person also was was harassing me on Twitch. Anytime I would be in any like stream chat that they happened to notice I was in, they would just start spamming wow. messages about me and stuff. It's really annoying. Um, you had an esports place take elements of your videos too though did, oh didn't that... right yes okay that go on that was much so, so you've been hit you've been hit by uh thievery and bad actors on <laughs> several different fronts haven't you what did you do to make this happen i why are you such a good target for <laughs> i think what theft? happened with the, the score esports <laughs> i think the reason i don't i don't even know i i didn't realize their channel existed when i started my channel and my first video was a history of a smash player and i guess that they had a few months earlier started a very similar series called the story of uh i didn't know about their channel at the time so maybe that's why they instantly took notice I, they took notice of my channel within a few months i barely had i had like 10,000 subscribers and the first time i ever was suspicious that they were copying me was i made this video about shroud and it instantly started getting attention and then a couple weeks later or three weeks later, they put out a documentary on Shroud. and But no one had put out any kind of videos on Shroud like that prior. And I couldn't help but feel like they saw my video and decided, oh, well, this guy's getting a lot of success on this topic. We should copy the topic, which is fine. Like, technically, they're allowed to do that. And I actually knew someone who their friend worked for the Score Esports, and he confirmed for me that they were well aware of my channel and that they didn't like me. But I didn't feel like that was enough <laughs> to I, I didn't feel like I could really say much about that. So I kind of stayed silent about it. Then later they put out a Dr. Disrespect video and I didn't notice it at the time, but they literally stole a clip from my video, put it in their video, not realizing that the clip that, from my video had nothing to do with Dr. Disrespect. It was like footage. I remember I was talking about his early childhood and for footage of it, I searched Disney World 1980s on YouTube and just put some random person's home video for like three seconds and they put that clip in their video. Um, I didn't realize that. Until That's too later. much of a coincidence. <laughs> yeah. And then later I my friend pointed out when they uploaded their Summit 1G video, it was this time it was different because in the past it was I had done, you know, the history of this person, the history of that person. And then they did the same type of thing, the story of this person, the story of that person. And I was like, you know what? I can't. That's just a person's history. Like, I can't claim ownership of this. But then they did a video on Summit 1G, which was exactly like mine, where the observation, and no one had made this observation before me, was that 
uh, in a time when everyone was obsessed with Fortnite, Summit One G was compromising his mental health to keep playing it, and then decided, "I'm not going to do this anymore. It's it's tearing me apart from the inside. I'm going to do what I want." And then found success doing that. And it was a whole video about like a lesson in sometimes you got to just do what makes you happy, and then success might find you anyways. And they took that exact everything, like they took sentences that I said, just everything about that. And they did the same thing and then they just slightly extended it because it was a year later from being about playing one game to they they made it about playing that game and then they added another game valorant had just come out and they were like oh and now he's at the top of valorant doing what he wants which wasn't even tr correct analysis because he was at the top of valorant simply because valorant was a new game and everyone was hype about it and he was a former csgo player but yeah i called them out on it because someone pointed it out to me and when i found out about their video there are already comments on their video saying you stole this from slush. This is like slush's video. So I decided to call them out and it was very frustrating, but it was also kind of a relief because in the back of my mind, I was like, okay, these guys are fucking watching my every move. I, I every time I do something, I was like afraid to talk about it on Twitter. I was like, oh, if I tell Twitter what I'm doing, the score research is just going to beat me to it. <laughs> but now that I was able to call them out publicly and have scarce and the quartering report on it and stuff i feel a little safer i feel like now they're, they're going to be afraid to copy me so it's kind of nice and that i sense, was really I disappointed when that happened yeah and marco in the in the chat says like that's when you know it's good when when somebody's taking it you know they're not taking something that sucks so it's a weird validation in that way uh but when <laughs> that dropped for you when that situation came up i know a couple people who are in the business side of the esports community. And, you know, I, I shot you a DM and said, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to take this to them and see, see what's up, man. They wouldn't touch that. And that was so disappointing. Uh, it was really good that, uh, the quartering and some others took it up because, you know, it helps to be outside the community on that sort of thing, but the people right within, they would absolutely not engage in any kind of policing their own community there. And that was extremely disappointing because if that happened, if that happened on the education side, uh, uh, you know, no, nobody would really have a, I can't imagine. I mean, Kevin, tell me if I'm wrong, but I can't imagine people being shy about saying, Hey man, make your own videos. Like makes it, you know, don't steal from small educational creators. There's enough information in the world to warrant original videos do that but for yeah, some reason the esports people didn't in, well i think i never uh, noticed that in edu community happening uh, in no. in uh, in all my in all my days i don't remember it's definitely one of those happening. cases where uh people don't want to be the one to call out their peers because it's like we all look the other way because we don't want we don't want it to look bad on us from our superiors or something like that that's how i see it at least and also when i made my video uh, calling them out, it revealed to me just how common this was because a lot of people came to me or even were inspired to make their own videos calling other companies out. There was this one guy, um, CZ's, I forget what it is. CZ's World. CZ's World. He does like horror movie related stuff. And he had been on multiple occasions copied by Screen Rants. And there was other people who told me like the, the score had stolen what they did. And it wasn't just in the form of video content either. There were articles that were doing this. I even got people messaging me on Instagram who do cooking stuff. And they were showing how 
uh, big corporations were essentially stealing their they would come up with like original designs for, let's say for example they made a cake during the when the last star wars movie came out that was it was like a cake that was recreating a scene from star wars and then they showed how uh the next day this big company posted a cake that was almost exactly the same like every detail was they like, stole the this, cake yeah they ripped up they, they just recreated his cake <laughs> And it was just like, this is such a pervasive problem throughout all corporate content, it seems. And no one is, I don't even know how it's working out. Because I think that in the case of, let's say the score esports, when they copied my video, like who copied my video? Was it the writer? Did the guy narrating on camera know it was a copy of my video? Or was he just doing what he was told? So it's a huge problem. Kevin, we talked about that when we talked about stealing tweets. We, we talked about Amy Schumer's situation where when some of her jokes uh in her show were very clearly sourced from other other comedians who do you blame like she had a team of writers did they lift it like how is amy schumer supposed to know that everything that comes across her desk uh is 100% original out of that writers room maybe maybe she did know and she lifted them maybe it was a writer who knows and it's the same with those with the corporate channels where it's very difficult to pin down the responsibility because most people in the process are going to think hey this is just the new video there's why would you even consider that the whole of that video or at least the important parts had already been done on youtube yeah exactly i think um you're right. There's definitely areas where times when it's a gray area, when it gets it to that corporate level. But one area where this is a very clear cut thing that I think people should be unequivocally taking a stand against, at least from a YouTuber's perspective, is um, this phenomenon now where reaction videos are making a huge comeback in the form of streamers react watching and reacting to full videos from YouTubers. And I think that's normally fine when it's just on their stream, when it's whatever, you know, it's entertaining for their stream for 10 minutes, 20 minutes. But the problem I think is when that these some of these streamers have entire channels dedicated to just reaction videos of other people's content that is already on YouTube. And uh, it's yeah, it's siphoning views. You might say it brings exposure and it might, but really it's it's uh it's just a very parasitic uh, and like double dipping because they're already getting they already have a stream. They're already popular. They're already established. And then they're already using your video as entertainment for their live stream of 10,000, 50,000 viewers. And then now it's like, OK, after that, let's clip that, upload it to YouTube, get 500,000 <laughs> views of me reacting. Oh, and by the way, the original video, which is off on the recommended um People are going to be way less like if you saw a streamer reacting to something versus a video and it's the same video. My guess is that most people are more interested in clicking on the streamer reaction because it's like, OK, I get to see the content and get someone's reaction. It's like mm -hmm. a bonus. So I, I think that's a problem, too, on YouTube. That's a more direct. Yeah. And thing. I one time out of curiosity, I looked up on Social Blade. Asmon Gold has a channel that's just reaction content separate from his regular channel and you know how social blade it's got like an insanely stupid range it's impossible to actually tell what the low end number for what he would be making a year off of those videos was like over a hundred thousand dollars that was at the low end the high end was like obviously in the multiple millions and obviously he's not making wow. that much but to be making a hundred thousand dollars off of reaction to other people's content it's not right i don't think it's right
Can people copyright strike those? You can. That's the thing. You absolutely can. I think we need to. And so it's going to be a war, though, because then you're going to yeah, have people re-uploading and uh, it just gets so messy. I, I think YouTube, the, the only solution to this that I think is actually going to be possible is if YouTube just straight up uh, de-recommends, for lack of a better word, just deprioritizes the reaction-based stuff and tries to prioritize the original content as much as they can. That's tricky, too, though, because how do you go about determining which is the kind of reaction content to de-incentivize? Or deprioritize, flag it, some sort of flagging system. I don't know. Uh, that's the best I can. But now, now we're talking about we're going back to YouTube's uh, terrible manual review system of people who aren't even from the platform. It's complicated. Yeah, it's a problem. <laughs> it is. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't really know what the solution is there because there's reaction videos. There's like a style of reaction videos on YouTube which are completely transformative. Basically, what H3 used to do, which are, I don't think there's a problem with that. No, And I wouldn't want those types of creators to suddenly be punished because streamers are uploading themselves reacting to well, other what YouTube you're videos. talking about is essentially the Susie Lou drama, isn't it? Basically, Where Susie yeah. Lou is yeah. just watching an entire episodes of anime and occasionally like smiling at certain yeah. bits of the show. And and that was the extent of her reactions and the, uh, the you know, Funimation or whomever the companies came down on her. Right. So it, it does seem like something similar should yeah, probably happen. Yeah, I even drew a parallel side. to that because I talked about this in a video, though I focused more on there was there's like there's people on Twitch who watch YouTube videos and there's people on Twitch who watch TV shows. There's a streamer, Trainwrecks TV. He's huge. I'm sure you guys, have, if you haven't heard of him, he's a really big streamer, you know, regularly gets upwards of 10,000 concurrent viewers. And That's earlier this year, he was just watching South Park episodes back to back. Or watching MasterChef back to back, <laughs> and no one. What? <laughs> and one time, someone wrote an article saying it that he was doing it, and he posted on his Reddit, had to delete the vod because some idiot called me out. Lol. It's like I don't know. What do you expect if I if I picked up a book and just read it aloud on stream? Uh, Audible would have a problem with that. Yeah, exactly. The author would have a problem mm. with that, and nobody would think twice about it. Now it would be completely obvious. Uh, but yeah, Kevin mentioned John Swan uh, making these videos. When when Kevin was in sardine jail, John uh, did a few episodes and one of them was devoted to this. And he ran the numbers of those animes, th those uh, videos where Susie would watch an anime episode. Um, and it was something like, I, I forget the number, but it was like 22% of the video was actually her commentary. You know, it was a very small percentage, whereas the 75, 80% was her kind of reacting visually. Yeah. Um, you know, that's, 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 that's pretty tough. Uh, if somebody is, <laughs> that's, you know, that, that's about right, isn't it? Uh, where if somebody's got like two thirds of talking and analyzing and I, I want to do this on Twitch, I want to watch some videos and, you know, watch a couple minutes pause it, talk yeah. for a while about the little bit you just yeah. watched and keep going. That seems all right to me. That's fair use. There are uh, streamers who hanging out though. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen that on YouTube. I mean, guys like Augie and, uh, uh, and, and John too, will we'll do that with, with videos where he'll get a group together and, uh, watch a thing and, and analyze it. That's cool. Uh, yeah. just hanging out though. It it's, you know, to bring that back, it's that weird kind of thing. That's like, 
I, I feel like I'm hanging out with somebody in this parasocial way who isn't actually my friend, but right now they're promising to watch South Park with me. You know, here's yeah. the thing. I actually believe that in the future, these companies that own shows like South Park and whatnot are going to pay Twitch streamers to watch their shows online because it'll be exposure and they're going to watch it. it watch parties are going to be a, a corporate yeah. paid thing. Uh huh. I just think somebody... that right now it's not fair because it's not like that and you shouldn't be allowed to abuse copyright. Sorry, what were you going to say? I was, I was talking with somebody who's a streamer actually who does this like privately and they were telling me, um, well, you're not understanding though that a lot of these people watching when, when I watch this kind of content, do these kinds of streams that they, this is all they have, you know, like this is, this is their parasocial relationship fine, but like, this is how they're hanging out. This is how they're watching a show with a friend and they don't, they don't have, um, somebody else to do it with. And I don't, you know, I think that's a very, like, I don't think it's a very valid argument for what I'm talking about when it comes to this stuff being uploaded to YouTube and all that. But it is an interesting point though of, yeah, like I could totally see this getting, um, you know, it's almost like OnlyFans once again, because obviously it's a different situation, yeah. but where it's it's lonely people who they are, they're trying to simulate some sort of, you know, friendship interaction. Uh, I think we're going to see more of that, too, going forward. It's like it's like only friends, only yeah. friends. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> That's a good oh one. Oh, my God. What are we doing? We need to start this website. That would oh, be. Let's get off this podcast right now and register only yes. friends. Already <laughs> done. That's next. Somebody That's in next. the episode chat is probably registering the domain right now. Yeah. I'm going to type oh, it in. I want to see. That I is the see. downside well, of doing this live with our patrons is they can steal our ideas in real time. Um, but speaking of patrons and allowing them into our conversation, do we have any questions uh, for the guys uh, from them? We do. And by the way, only friends is taken. Oh, uh, really? Onlyfriend.org. Onlyfriend.org is still available. So oh, there's a possibility we could tweak it a little bit. And onlychums.com is available as well. <laughs> that doesn't sound so, as yeah. good. So though. if you want to be chummy with your chums, it's got it's got a nice we're, uh, we're gonna normalize kind of British it. Isles charm to it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's right. Normalized chums. Yes. Um okay, well, our uh, our check from the sponsor Eagle Brand Sardines has bounced. Um, we Damn. don't actually have a sponsor for this episode uh, because of that, and we need one. So the creative prompt here is: you guys need to invent a sponsor for this episode and do a ten-second ad read. Can the sponsor be Only Friends? <laughs> oh, it it certainly can. What's what's the ad read for uh, Only Friends? How do you sell it? Hmm. Oh, I don't man. think I've even done an ad read before. I don't do sponsorships. Um, Only Friends is the one place that you can go to meet new people without the terrible uh, pressures of expecting sex and sexual content. Are you sick and tired of girls online leading you on because you're lonely? Well, finally, there's a platform for you, a place where you can meet new people uh, and pay to be friends with them. <laughs> so that we could take a transaction <laughs> fee and make money off of this company. <laughs> Very wholesome. Yeah. Uh, that's people that's like good. honesty. Uh, and I think the conversion use code creates for 68% off. Since we're yeah. not a filthy site, we don't do 69% yeah. off. So it's you absolutely 68% off with code create. 
I, yeah, I have you an keep ad the read. dollar. That's right. <laughs> I have an ad read ready. Okay, go. Okay, I'll try to keep mine short. <laughs> Creative Con. Are you tired of VidCon having a bunch of 10-year-olds running around while you have alcohol in your hand? Well, Creative Con <laughs> is the convention for you. Meet other YouTubers who are over the age of 20. Ooh, 20. Why 20? <laughs> Should really be 21, right? I guess so. <laughs> probably. I don't know. <laughs> I just wanted to give some leeway. <laughs> so Turkey Tom can't come is what you're saying. No, no. He's <laughs> Not he's for actually, a little bit. He's on the blacklist, actually, just by default. <laughs> he's already been banned from the conference that, oh, yeah. that doesn't exist yet. Yeah. We're, <laughs> yeah me and Slush are going to handle all the bands. There's going to be a lot of them. <laughs> the list will be uploaded so, to our Blackberries. Uh, yeah, we're going to upload the list to Google Doc. <laughs> So this is for both of you. What's your favorite retro video game? This is from Marco. Let's go first. Do you have a, a favorite retro me, video game? I think it's just the classic. Like I, I, if you consider Pokemon Red and Yellow, the GBA ones or Game Boy Game Boy Color ones, retro. That's retro to me. That's my classics. That counts. Does that qualify, point. Kevin? It does. Does N sixty four? Is N sixty four retro yeah. now? Like enough? I think so. Then I'm going I with uh, Banjo Kazooie. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, because if you play Banjo Kazooie today, you'll feel like you're playing a retro game. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. Maybe I'm just walking got rose-colored glasses, the... but I think it holds up decently. Um, yeah, I feel like that era, uh, N60, PS1, N64, Sega Saturn, Saturn, some of those games by today, man, they look rough. Yeah. Well, definitely the graphics are are not up to snuff with today. But I Past feel like a the, certain point, the cartoony it, nature of certain games yes. makes it hold up better. Kind of like how Wind Waker that's looks true. better than Twilight Princess now. Yeah, that's a good point. Definitely. That's what I like about I'm going to hit. Yeah, the cell shading aged uh, well. Yeah, very well. Ahead of its time. People I'm going to hit another another couple gaming related ones to keep the, the theme. Um, this is a little bit of an extension of what we talked about with Smash earlier. Uh, Conrad asked... Are either of you going to do a proper deep dive on on the Smash uh, pedo ring, as as Conrad put it? But uh, I think it's broader than that. We were actually going to do uh, a but collab yeah, on that. Maybe we I, still will. What happened? Yeah, maybe we still will. Well, I, I think we both just got carried away with the videos we were working on at the time. And we were like, oh, we'll do this after. But maybe, yeah, maybe we still will. We want to collaborate on a documentary, like full length type thing at some point, And that you know maybe that's in the cards uh that yeah. topic it's a it's definitely a big deep topic that i think you're going to yeah. see a lot of stuff on yeah and i, Base I have weight. some connections oh, sorry, to the community on. so I, i'm not really saying anything important so don't, don't, don't worry about it i was just, just bragging like, okay. about his connections oh, with the community. It, it would make it interesting because i'd be able to potentially interview i i actually did ask someone who is like a top player uh who'd been around for years and i was like hey could I interview about a video about this if where I was going to do it? And he was like, I'm never fucking touching that with like a million foot pole. So that's no. how you know it's a good video, <laughs> though. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so base weight asks, who's your main in Smash and why is it Isabel? Oh, God. Well, first of all, he's talking about Smash <laughs> Ultimate. That's the first yeah. problem. Yeah. <laughs> no, I like Ultimate. Ultimate's it's actually OK, but. Uh, Sam might have a few choice words for it. He's a hardcore melee player. It's true, I am. Um, um, I think Ultimate's a great game casually. There's no denying that. Yeah, Ca casually. it's probably casually. It's probably the best Smash game because it has so many characters, so many levels, and all kinds of crazy items and stuff. 
but you know, I well, like who's your main in melee. My I main in melee is Sheik. I'm a I'm a I'm a filthy Sheik player. I will zone okay. you. I'm a zoning person. You, I'll get you into the corner and I will you're hold getting you there until you die. You just got a long boo in the chat. <laughs> I also play Falco. I also play Falco. Everyone likes Falco. Even longer boo. Even longer. No, I'm just wow, really? <laughs> no. <laughs> Dojangles approves of Falco. So you, nice. yeah, yeah, Kino says Falco is awesome. Hey. Uh, that's good. That's good. Uh, so this is, I've got to see who. Oh, this uh, is, is from Conrad. Uh, who has more incompetent management, Twitch or YouTube? Oh, easily in- Twitch. Incompetence? I yeah. would I would argue or, or that... incontinent. That would be a fascinating question too. <laughs> Actually, which it one probably has, is... has incontinence? I would argue that Twitch, as even though it's much more egregious than YouTube in terms of their policies, is actually less incompetent because they're doing it on purpose. Whereas YouTube is just like I feel like eighty percent of the bad decisions made are just out of incompetence and not because they're trying to That's a good point. Yeah. It's a good point, actually. <laughs> Yeah, like I was thinking more in terms of like good and bad, but in terms of competence, yeah, it's true that YouTube is just, I mean, they just don't have the resources as well. Like, you know, it's, it's just, there's so much, there's so much content uploaded and there's so many different communities and, you know, yeah, it's just harder with YouTube to be even do that. Mm-hmm. Harder than Twitch, which is done in real time. Yeah. Like it's obviously much smaller, but it is real time. Because the majority of viewers on Twitch, well, first of all, Twitch has like 15 million active users last time I heard, and YouTube has like 2 billion. But I will say that Twitch, even though it's in real time, the majority of viewers are congregated around what, like maybe a hundred of the top streamers or, or like the top 50 even, you know? So it's just so such a smaller community. Like, you know, all the, you can know all the big streamers on Twitch like within a week, but YouTube, I don't, I still, I'm finding people like who have millions of subs, you know, I never heard about. Oh yeah. Kevin, we talked about that at one VidCon, didn't we? Where, uh, we went to the VidCon and like, didn't recognize any of the featured creators. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which VidCon? Because they're all like that. <laughs> they are. Oh. It's oh you're like, who is who are any of these people? And you look them up and they all have like 13 million subscribers. Yeah. Like, <laughs> oh, okay. I, I wanna right. I wanna tell a short story, if you don't mind, of about that very thing. Sam, you'll remember this. We I went know what you're to VidCon. Talk about. Okay, we went to a, a panel. I think the VidCon panels are fun sometimes. Sometimes it's fun to see how out of touch YouTube is and just inter- it's just entertaining to me. Um, but we went to a panel that was, what was it? How to go, how to go viral, how to, how to go viral panel. And it was, um, I'm assuming this is for like creators, like YouTubers and stuff, you know, not just for like whatever. It was like on the second floor and there was a, a woman giving a presentation about how to go viral and just talking about she wasn't giving bad points i don't think i guess it was very basic just very generic advice i would say yeah yeah like pretty generic very ambiguous like well try to be unique try to do this like okay yeah, yeah. and um th- it was funny though because she was she had like this video that like 7 years ago or something it got a lot of views it had like 10 million views it was like some weird one off with video and i was like okay this is cool how to go viral but her whole channel, they didn't talk about this in the presentation, had like 20K subs and like none of her other videos had that. views. <laughs> and I'm not trying to knock on her for that, but it's just like, okay, well, what's the point of going viral if you just get one? Like, it just seemed like such a silly yeah. uh, 
goal or whatever to just have one video. But. Yeah, it's like how how to catch lightning in a bottle. Yeah. Right. Well, you, <laughs> you, you you don't be lucky really, and if you do, you're lucky. Yeah, there it was funny. There were years and years and years ago, the guy who made the the keyboard cat video. Do you remember yeah, keyboard yeah, cat? Yeah, yeah it was one of yeah. like the earlier viral videos. He came into the office where I was working and literally was having a meeting about that. He was like, "All right, I did keyboard cat. What's next?" <laughs> and the answer was <laughs> nothing. nothing. Yeah. Yeah. You're done. <laughs> Uh, uh, congratulations on keyboard cat. Yeah. Uh, here's the door. Uh, goodbye. Right. One hit wonder. One hit wonder. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It was bizarre. It was, I was That's wondering funny. if people in the audience during that lecture or whatever were aware of how long she had been failing to recap, recapture what she was claiming to be giving advice on. Cause if she knows so well how to go viral, then how come in seven years she couldn't do it again? Yeah. Yeah, there was a panel that I was on where uh, we took uh, questions at the end and a guy stands up and he goes, um, you know, I'd like to know how to get 10 million views. And I said, you don't. Yeah. <laughs> that, was, that was it. That was my answer. I was like, yeah. you, you do not. You do not get 10 million views, sir. Goodbye. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, Mr. It's Beast like the, would have Willy something Wonka. to say about that, I guess. Like, Good day, yeah. sir. It's, it's like Good those. Day, um, sir. It's like those tutorial videos on YouTube. I saw this on Twitter once. It's like a tutorial video, how to get millions of views on YouTube. And the video has like five views. Uh, yeah, right. Yeah, it's just- The gurus are, always have like 2,000 subscribers to sell a system of how to get yeah, 10 exactly. million views in yeah, seven days. Right. Yeah. Reminds me, you know that, that meme <laughs> where it's like, top 10 things, this person did well. And then it's like, thanks for watching right away. This is, doesn't list anything. It's like yeah. basically that. It's like how to have 10 million views. Thanks for watching. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Kino is conspiring. The Kino Corner is conspiring to make this a seven-hour podcast by asking each of your top five albums. How about we do top one album for each of you? I mean, oh. no one can possibly pick a, a single album. Surely, I'll give you, I'll give you a really? top five. No, it's easier to do top five. I'll give it to you quickly. Uh, I okay. Have, I have some of them on my. They're going right to be almost the same as mine. <laughs> That, yeah okay <laughs> college dropout by kanye yeah. west mm -hmm. uh vampire weekend by vampire weekend uh i would say good kid mad city by kendrick lamar is definitely in my top five um i want to say there's going to be at least there might be two but there's definitely at least one animal collective album i think meriwether post pavilion i and one more i'll put in weezer blue album that's a classic it's got to be in there so those are those are five right there. I mean, it's literally the same thing for me. <laughs> the same, really? I mean, I, I maybe I wouldn't necessarily. I wouldn't know which Animal Collective album to pick because I'm constantly. It's yeah, like every yeah. few months, a different one is my favorite album. But they're my we favorite have very band. similar. Me yeah. and Slush have very similar. We're just on the same wavelength with a lot yeah. of tastes, and that's why we're like. That's why we hang out all the time. He's the only friend I've ever gotten into Animal Collective ever. I've tried with everyone. I know. Yeah. And everyone is just like, what is this shit? But then Greg is like, this is this is dope. I like this. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Kevin, can you commit to one? I know we've talked in the past about about bands uh, that, that you like and music that you like. But if you had to commit to one absolute favorite, could you? Favorite album? I mean, gun, gun to the head, I probably would. Uh, oh, man. Gun to the head, I'd probably say Nirvana. Mm, never mind, probably. Probably would say that. 
Sam, that's in your top five, um, I feel like, too. Actually, I would put In Utero above all of the other Nirvana albums, personally. See, I agree with you. I don't. Uh, this is going to turn into a seven-hour podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I, I agree with you that In, U- in Utero is their best album, um, but Nevermind was so freaking important yeah. to me, at least, at that time where, um, you know, prior to that album... Uh, I was listening to MC Hammer. Right. <laughs> so, <Jesus> yeah. <laughs> I, it was like a pretty big switch in my life when that It was culturally a massive switch. It was pretty much when everyone crazy. went from 80s pop to grunge collectively. And it ruined all of Matt's favorite bands. <laughs> it did. It did. And, you know, there's a, a, a neat thing that happened there and i've i've talked to uh, kevin i've brought this up to you like seven times in the in the last few years there's a switch where nevermind was number 1 i believe it was the same week after love of lifetime by firehouse <laughs> and that is one of the last like kind of sh- sh- sorry firehouse if you're listening to this podcast shitty hair uh, hair metal bands i love firehouse i love their music but, you know, you see the video and it's like leather jacket with the sleeves pushed up to the elbows and huge curly metal hair. Yeah, but it was like 1992 or something, right? It was way yeah, at the outdated. end of that. And it was such, yeah, it was such a, a great song and that's why it was number one. But it was such a strange thing. Like yeah. that to me is the moment where the switch happened, where if you can have that song one week, number one, and then next week it's never mind, something is changing right now. And I would argue... Dojangle says Firehouse is so lame, she is banned from the Discord. <laughs> uh, she is Let's, ad- let's admit dumpster. it, all, all the hair metal bands kind of sound the same. Similar, yeah. Very this similar. is becoming... <laughs> There's like a Simpsons joke offensive? where... Offensive? Where they're like, attack. thank you! This is just an attack we're on We're poisoned! This... And they're like, we're poisoned? I thought we were white this... snake. And they're like drummers, <laughs> their drum kit says Def Leppard on it. <laughs> This podcast is becoming a hate crime. I yeah. hope YouTube age restricts it. It's going to get banned now. We're going to get banned. I don't want anybody under 18 hearing this. And by the way, my album is uh, Leonard Skinner's live album, One More From The Road. It's actually a double album on vinyl. And uh, that was one of my favorites growing up. And the copy that I had uh, had somehow gotten on some heat. And so there is a big kind of bubble Um big bubble on one of the albums. And so the needle on the record player didn't quite, didn't quite navigate that swell very well. Uh, so I didn't hear, there was probably 45 seconds of one of the Skinner songs that I didn't hear until like five years later. Oh, wow. Uh, but huh. yeah, that was kind of crazy. Seconds. You know, I couldn't, <laughs> yeah. that's a video we were talking essay. like 1991. That's a video essay right there. Yeah. That was cool. I remember hearing it and being like, oh, so that's how the, the whole song sounds. Uh, but yeah, that was an extremely influential. <laughs> it's really ridiculous now that I think about it. But um, And it wasn't a popular one, so it was never on the radio. It wasn't like Sweet Home Alabama or something. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that if I had one one album, it would be that one on vinyl. You guys should get uh, Anthony Fantano on this. <laughs> oh, yeah, that 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 would be awesome. Although after after us being on here, he's gonna be like, <laughs> I don't know, I can't top that episode. So yeah, well, I don't think he's ever everyone. been requested. I don't think requested. he's ever been requested in the request uh, guest request. Pretty different chat. audiences, I guess. But. You should really hammer into him about the Fader article. Yeah, just <laughs> I'm sure that'll be received well. That'll be very comfortable for him. I think maybe bring I'd up love that to he had talk Sam to him about a lot of his podcast. tweets. 
Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, Asking about his tweets and then juxtapose that with. <laughs> so you interviewed Sam Hyde. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to go point by point that you talked with him. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. A guilty pleasure favorite fast food restaurant. And why uh, this is from Isaac and why are BK nuggets superior to all? Oh, wow. But yeah. Was, that, really a, was that a Burger them. King? Uh, do you guys I'm, know this thing with Burger King? <laughs> <laughs> there, there's this genius <laughs> some genius whiz kid at burger king is like hey instead of like paying millions of dollars for sponsors why don't we just donate to twitch streamers something involving <laughs> burger king and it works like ten dollar donations that are being read by people with thousands of viewers yeah so i think you just got infiltrated with that was one genius of yeah uh favorite fast food restaurant <laughs> i don't really eat fast food uh i Same. would say in and out if that counts, I guess it counts, right? Yeah. I get an out. Okay. Five guys, pretty good too. Pizza is not fast food, right? Sure it is. Is it? Um it, I suppose if it could be. It's a chain. I, I would count it if it's if like it's Domino's chain? or Okay. Uh Pizza, pizza Nova. Sure. I think that's a I don't even know pizza if that's Nova. like a Canadian thing or just like it's an Ontario thing. thing. Might be even oh, it, might, it might just be like an Ontario thing. Yeah, probably Ontario thing. It's just a, a a chain in Toronto that I think makes dope pizza. I never get it because I can't eat pizza or anything. I have like a a, a skin condition. I you could probably see it on my. I have like redness all over my forehead. It's because last night I didn't know there was gonna be cameras today. I was like, well, no one's gonna see it in the podcast. But I ate a bunch of food I wasn't supposed to eat, which li- means I had jam on bread. But <laughs> I can basically like anything oh. I eat just like causes my skin to. Uh, now anyone listening up. to this and not seeing the camera is just gonna imagine like the most <laughs> disgusting ugly boy it's not that country. bad and i'm usually pretty good about it that's that's why i messaged you about buckwheat earlier because i eat buckwheat on a daily basis because oh, yeah. it's like one of the only things i can eat without triggering my dermatitis so i'm like constantly eating like buckwheat mm-hmm. and rye bread and lamb and chicken but yes yeah, so i don't but every now and then i'll get pizza which i'm not supposed to have but it's pizza nova so the <laughs> place i go and so that you is thought a, I was meaning when I <laughs> that's a literal guilty pleasure. Yeah, yeah. I feel that's very literal. Yeah, yeah. I you suffer are physical consequences. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's one way to eat healthy. Yeah, you thought I was memeing when I said that we had a couple acres of buckwheat <laughs> that was ready. Dude. My brother called me about it on Saturday. He's like, yeah, if you want to go get some of the buckwheat, it's probably going to get plowed under because that's we good move for the in? soil. And yeah, you thought I was talking shit. <laughs> we should just have a podcast in the middle of the field and like buckwheat boys will be the name of it. See, see okay, that one actually is legally not allowed because the buckwheat boys are the famous music duo that made it's peanut butter jelly time. Yeah. So that one's actually, actually, I'm pretty uh, sure right. I'm pretty sure very short story I'm pretty sure me and Sam broke the simulation at some point like we caused the Mandela effect because completely ignorant of the fact that there's this group that made that song with the name Buckwheat Boys we wanted to start a podcast and we're like we both joke about Buckwheat because that's all he eats and sometimes I eat it and we're like we're going to call it Buckwheat Boys jokingly you know and then we're like, no, no we one can't. could possibly ever think of such a stupid name themselves. <laughs> and I know that song, <laughs> Peanut Butter Jelly Time, from way back in the day, but I never knew it was made by Buckwheat Boys. I didn't know it had a name. Yeah. So we, yeah, I didn't know who made that. We retroactively made their name Buckwheat Boys. <laughs> by, yeah. <laughs> uh, there was a jump in oh, time. That's awesome. Definitely. Uh, Elsa from Frozen. 
has a YouTube channel. This is in Baseweight's mind. If Elsa from Frozen were to have a YouTube channel, what kind of content would she create? Um, have you seen that JonTron video with the bootleg Disney games? <laughs> I'm, that's how I'm no. picturing it. It's like Elsa's frozen foot surgery and Elsa's zombie baby. <laughs> I think if she would offer social comments, it would be like one of those videos where it's a very pretty room. Like girls, I see this with girl channels sometimes. 40 minute apology videos. That's all she does. <laughs> <laughs> no, like it'd be a very pretty room and she would give like, you know, 10, 15 minute videos talking about like what's going on and social things. And I think I think something like that. Um, most exciting thing in your life right now from Marco Ooh. or what, what are you most excited about? My videos that I take two months to make. <laughs> yeah, same. I would say the same thing. The thrill of uh... a wholesome answer for this podcast. There's nothing quite like the thrill of when you're putting a video together and it comes out really dope and you're just like, I did that. That's awesome. Uh, hanging out with friends and collaborating with them when possible. Like mm. for, for, mm. with this, that's really cool. Yeah. I, uh, I'm like coming out with merch and I took a bunch of pictures of my friends wearing my, my shirt and I'm like going to use that as promotion. So that's really fun. That's cool. Nice. Yeah, it's dope. And uh, Chinchilla, uh, we got a couple here and then... Uh, I think Kevin has one at the end. Uh, Chinchilla uh, is building on really the the question I had at the beginning about what about the mommy figures? Um, yeah, he, he said father figure video is very masculine. What about the mommy figures and sister figures? And I think that's the real question here is, is there a role for you know, sister figures and brother figures. You put Wang in as a father figure and he's such a weird middle ground. Like Wang is, is the most thing. baller older brother on the internet. Yes. Uh, but he's also got the, the, the fatherly elements too, you know? And so is there a role for the mommies and the sisters and the brothers? I think so. I think for sure. I mean, I think the big, the brothers are almost, I don't know how well I framed it in the video, but I think like the commentary YouTubers, you know, Ethan Klein, uh, iDubs, like these guys occupy definitely a big brother type space. Um, but for mothers, I don't know. Like, I can't think of that many mother figures on YouTube, to be honest with you. I'm trying to think of like, I can think of bad examples like Trisha Paytas or uh, oh like, like yeah, like not so good channels, but I don't want to use them as examples. Yeah, um, I, I would. <laughs> And I'm not basing this off of any form of legitimate evidence, but I feel like there's less of a demand for mother figures societally because yeah. it's almost like if you look at the family, if you look at how uh, families were structured, like the nuclear family, you have more cases where the father isn't present than the mother isn't present. Usually the mom is the one that sticks around. And I feel like that almost translates into the way things are in society where you have uh, um, like in our messaging in society, there's more of like a motherly voice and less of a fatherly presence. And that's why people look for it more, but I could be completely wrong. I'm kind of talking out of my ass here, to be honest. I think you're onto something for sure. I think more, yeah, there's more of a demand for fathers, mothers, gen, obviously this is, you know, obviously there are people who don't have mothers in their life, of course, but, uh, I think that's more rare. So is that, I, I want to cool. really quick follow up on that because Generally, all you hear about is the patriarchy, not the matriarchy. Mm -hmm. So are you creating a distinction between saying like culturally it's a matriarchy, whereas perhaps systemically it's a patriarchy? Like, Have you, have you guys broken that out? I feel like 
when your I minds? think patriarchy, I, I'm thinking like the people in leading roles are male. Whereas when I was thinking that there's less of a demand for mother figures, I was sort of just thinking that uh, A, mothers are more likely to be the ones that stick around in families and B, that the sort of messaging that you would get from a mother is already prevalent in our media and, in, you know, even in probably like cartoons and stuff like that. Whereas clearly when someone like Jordan Peterson comes along and tells you to clean your room and stuff like that, there's a, a ton of people who feel like they needed to hear it. Whereas you'll notice uh, a lot of women who there's there's obviously his audience is less female than it is male. And it feels like a lot of the girls I know who don't like him will always say that everything he's saying is very obvious, which leads me to believe that they're getting it from somewhere else. Yes, exactly. Yeah, that's a point I made is like, um, yeah, if it's so obvious, it might be obvious to you, but clearly it's not obvious to these other people who need to hear it. Uh, the patriarchy thing. I mean, yeah, like clearly positions of like power is occupied by men. Um, but I, I do think there's something, this is what Sam said about culturally speaking, there's a lot of female empowerment, female focus on girls. Like for example, with, with the OnlyFans thing, I think the default, why my video I think stood out to a lot of people. And I've had, I've had people message me this, like girls message me, guys message me saying like, it was a breath of fresh air because I felt like you were going at it at the angle of, well, what are the guys experiencing and somewhat the girls? But um, yeah, like I think when when it comes to these kinds of things, it's I, I think a lot of things are viewed through a girl's lens, which is useful, of course, but I think uh, you need both perspectives or multiple perspectives. Yeah, that's awesome. And the last, uh, last one is actually uh, uh, the last bit before Kevin's burning question. Uh, is a comment rather than a question. Catboy and the baby gang uh, wanted a message passed along. He said, will you thank Glink for me for the video uh, the, 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 that I put in earlier, which was I linked uh, the, the father figure video. He says it really, really related to me, and I can't stop thinking about it. Oh, Amazing video. I've subbed to him now, and I'll be watching his other stuff when I'm free. Oh, um, that is... Pressure. We're going to put links to everything down in the description, but that's what happens with both of these guys. And when I first met Slush on Twitter, uh, you know, look, when, when you come across somebody and he was added to a, a group chat, the first thing you do is go and consume their entire <laughs> body of work so you can, you know, come up with some conception of them before you actually talk to them. Um, but I, I didn't watch a lot of videos on anything in gaming or esports or anything like that. Uh, and so that was back when I could watch the Ninja video, the disrespect, Dr. Disrespect video. Um, and I got an appreciation for what happens on the gaming side because we're so locked in number one to YouTube, but number two, hyper-focused on educational content that, and since I don't play games, I didn't see a lot of that stuff. Uh, but I had a similar feeling. It didn't relate to me because it wasn't my life, but, uh, the, the elements of complexity in the stories that those guys had that you told, I thought this is important. I need to follow along here. And yeah, I was instant sub. So thank you. This is what you get from both Glink and Slush. Uh, hit the hit the links in the description on this because uh, whatever's coming next from both of them is going to be a pretty important video, and it's one that that we'll probably be talking about on a future episode if you're willing to come back. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, hey, I want to say, by the way, uh, you Matt, you have had 
uh, you've been a really supportive person. Like, even though we don't know each other very well, I think you have a really good eye for creators and content. And uh, I, well, I appreciate that to the guy who said that. And I also appreciate just you because like even just in dms and stuff you've been really thank you supportive and such yeah i, I can also absolutely say i've like I, be, I think before i even when i just joined the group chat we had barely even spoke spoken and you were already offered to like anytime i had questions about stuff you're like just feel free to hit me up and you've been amazing about that mm. and yeah like it, cool. like it it's definitely goes noticed for sure i appreciate it too a thank lot you. thank you I don't want Frank. No, no, and Kevin's really cool to too, hands. even though we just met him. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say, now that we're done slurping Matt and <laughs> and you guys, let's get to the most important question. And uh, this you know, is big. Yeah, take them take them at your own pace, one at a time. Um, what is your fursona? Oh God! <laughs> oh man, I didn't expect that. <laughs> um... <laughs> Okay, I'm gonna think about. Uh, you know, in uh, Banjo Kazooie, there's a level called Freeze Easy Peak, and in that level, there's a giant walrus that just like dancing around around a fireplace. That's my, that walrus is my persona because he seems really happy. So I just want I just want to be enjoying everything as much as that walrus. I don't think that's fur though. That's like a skin, happy walrus is good. Skin don't, don't discriminate. <laughs> Carson had a bird though. I mean, like. Yeah, like I think you can have scales and feathers and all manners of animal can be turned into yeah. a, a fursona. I guess I have like two giant teeth, you know? It's pretty dope. Uh, yeah, they kind of have cool. beards too. <laughs> they have pretty furry beards, walruses. Yeah. yeah. See, I'm already halfway there. Got a beard. Does Sonic count? Like, can I, if I wear like a Sonic <laughs> recolor as like a onesie? I believe that's the origin of fursonas in general. I, I'm, going back straight to, I'm going straight to the source. Okay. I played Sonic. I like Sonic. <laughs> Uh, Sonic you. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Would you modify Sonic in any way though? Yeah. Would you no. adjust Sonic's body? It's gonna be no, it's gonna be, be happy with Sonic's Armenian proportions Sonic. and everything. Yeah, it's gonna be Armenians. It's gonna have <laughs> <laughs> the flag colors. <laughs> uh, it's gonna be great. That's actually a good idea now. <laughs> have your haircut. It is too. good. Next convention in 20 years. Well, <laughs> create Armenian Sonic. <laughs> happy <laughs> Walrus. Sonic and Happy Walrus. <laughs> Armenian Sonic, Happy Walrus. It's been a pleasure, my friends, uh, getting to know you guys. You know, we never talked before this, so this is great. Um, it's a pleasure to be and, here. And uh, yeah, I, I now have to also consume more of your content. Well, thank you Looking for having us. Thank you, man. Yeah, I appreciate absolutely. you. I appreciate Matt. I appreciate both of you guys. This has been fun. This has honestly been really fun. It's been a great time. Thanks to everybody yeah. who showed up to watch it happen too. Yeah. All the patrons yes. in the episode chat. It's been flowing the whole time. It's very good. Uh, yeah. Come back for the yeah, next if, one. It's a, it's a yeah, rocking time in there. Patreon.com slash the create unknown is your ticket in. To joining us for these weekly recordings so you get to be involved and uh you know be in the chat you get to throw pictures in there and uh hear all of our ideas and steal them in real time so uh make sure you do that <laughs> make sure <laughs> make sure that you follow these guys um because they make great stuff and uh anyway until then see you space cowboys <laughs>